Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He is a co-host. His name is Padawan J. Uh, as much as it pains me to say the uh, Seahawks beat the Patriots on Sunday, I just want to thank one Russell Wilson for single-handedly winning me uh, my fantasy football games. That was a hell of a game, and I know uh-huh. we're going to deep dive into it, but we also have to welcome to the show, as always, senior sports editor of the ODPH, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. What is going on, everybody? Oh, what is going on indeed? A lot of sports to talk about, so let's get into it. You can join in the conversation on social media. Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review while you're there. All the links and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. But let us waste no more time, shall we? Kicking off this week's sports edition, we got to recap the NFL, talk about our locks and leaps. So, Pad... Kick us off. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start with my lock, and I chose the San Francisco 49ers, who were favored by seven points to defeat the New York Jets, and Lord have mercy, did they cover. Uh, San Francisco ended up winning the game 31-13 to by, is the final score. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 14-16 of 16 for 131 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and then Sam Darnold, 21-32 of 32 for 179 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, I guess we can call this turf gate. Because apparently, Supposedly. yeah, apparently uh, the San Francisco 49ers were not happy with the new turf that was laid down mm. uh, with MetLife Stadium this offseason. Okay. Um, apparently MetLife had put down a new turf, and it's a little sticky. Hmm. And we had four injuries on the Jets, or hmm. the, excuse me, the 49ers. Uh, Nick Bosa, yep. Garoppolo, yep. Morissette, uh, and then the other defensive lineman mm-hmm. whose name is escaping me right now while Pat looks it up. I will continue to talk. Uh, it's really, I mean, it's brutal. You know, I mean, I'm sure we'll go in, in deep dive a little bit deeper into the injury sake here, uh, you know, later on. But, yeah, I mean, what a bad week, you know, as far as uh, injuries and, and players going down. Uh, and, you know, you and I had talked when we were texting. Mm-hmm. I think this just shows that, you know, the importance of training camp. Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas. Yep. You know, I think this just goes to show the importance of what the offseason OTAs, you know, I know players had, you know, asked and, and you know, requested that it be scaled back, you know, as far as contact and drills and all the, the practices. But obviously, I think that this shows, you know, the owners were talking about eliminating two of the preseason games and only having two um, to have an 18-game regular season. I think that this COVID offseason shows – that you the importance because players are not in shape right now and these ACL injuries are you know with players that you know might not have been able to get uh, proper workouts in and all this stuff and now you're seeing I mean there was four ACL injuries alone on one right. weekend mm-hmm. right and I think not just that first of all I knew that the Niners were not happy about the the turf at MetLife Stadium and that the NFL might be looking into it did not know that it was fresh turf laid in the off season so yep. with that being said. 
I think that just goes to show that, you know, maybe this wouldn't be the case if there had been some sort of action on that field during the preseason or even before then, because you got to remember, no preseason games. The Jets opened last week in Buffalo. So, yeah, I think, what, did the Giants play at home last week? Uh, no, they were away. So nobody, nobody has played on that football field since they laid down the new turf. Well, the Giants had three scrimmages on there sure scrimmages but that's not exactly the same as what it would normally go through and, and their new york sports are high school sports aren't going on right now right i, I can't say the same for jersey or, or pennsylvania but at least in terms of new york because if you're if you're a football team down in the city and you're going to a big stadium that's the closest one so virtually that stadium field since it got put down has not been touched outside of you know warm-ups and whatever else so you know maybe that's got something to do with it but good gracious it's not good for the niners it definitely wasn't good for the niners and i think something to touch upon the coach mentioned the off-season training and preseason look mm-hmm. we, we as football fans do not like preseason we always often talk about it and always say well it's necessary for yeah the prevalence of fantasy football to see who players are and such sure this is an example where it came back to haunt yeah and this has been a widespread thing that's gone on throughout the league and obviously, the biggest uh, team that was hit by this was the San Francisco 49ers. They mm-hmm. were losing four starters for an extended period of time. Sure. Yeah. And the field here at MetLife only had the game prior to because they did have the home game. Yeah, the Giants, the, Giants, oh, the Giants had Pittsburgh. Oh, that's right. Okay. The Giants did play there. Okay. But it's, is it enough that it broke in the field, especially if you just did a whole new sodding of the field? Well, I mean, they lay they, they have the field turf, you know, so right. I mean, it's the fake real grass that they call right. it or whatever. But, right. I mean – the Pittsburgh Giants game, there was no significant injuries in that game. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, you know, a week later, you know, here goes uh, Sterling Shepard, which was a head injury for the Giants, and then mm-hmm. you know Barkley, you know, unfortunately tears his ACL too. Um, so I mean, I don't know. Like, I, it's just it's odd to sit there and blame the symptoms of a turf sure. when a game was a week before was played. Sure. Um, but I mean, that doesn't escape from the fact that the 49ers still played a great game, and now they got to come back yeah. and play the Giants again. Yeah. Yeah. In MetLife. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's talks. Yeah. The 49ers, you know, might hold out Garoppolo. Uh, Kittle uh, came up limping in a play, too. They're yep. talking about holding him out. You know, they're, they're, they're 50-50 on playing yeah. him. So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a situation now where you got to come right back and play in a stadium that you weren't satisfied with. And, you know, I mean, not that it's a division game, but you're sitting here 1-1, one one, you know, and you got uh, the Cardinals that are 2-0. and oh, You got um, – St. Uh, the Rams, the, the Rams. Rams, the Los Angeles Rams that are two and zero. You know, so you've got teams in your division right now that are you know winning games. Uh, Seattle is two and zero, so you really can't find find uh, fall behind the eight ball. So going one and two just to, for the sake of salvaging players and not getting injuries, you know that this loss to a Giants team might you know make or break their season. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important. I think you. Yeah. I think you got to play to win the game. Yeah, I mean, you bring up the injuries. Just looking at ESPN.com's uh, injury list for the 49ers, uh, uh, yesterday they had Solomon Thomas listed as doubtful. Although I believe he's now out for the yeah, year. Yeah, he's out for the year. He's out yeah. for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo was listed as questionable. Tevin Coleman was listed as doubtful. Nick Bosa uh, suffered a torn ACL, so he was listed as out. Uh, and then you look at today, George Kittle's listed as questionable. Uh, Jason Verrett, their cornerback, is listed as questionable. Raheem Mustert, their running back, is listed as doubtful. And D Ford, their defensive end is listed as doubtful. I mean, and to your point about the injuries, you know, yeah, we all hate preseason. Yeah, it's not the most fun thing to see, especially the first couple of games where your favorite all quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, you know, 
Tom Brady, Drew Brees plays like one series and then they're done. So you're watching a bunch of no-name guys who are going to be cut in the next week. You mm. know, try to play a game. But it, at the end of the day, it is good for you know stretching the limbs out, stretching the muscles out. You saw the same thing with Major League Baseball, and yeah, they had the two-week summer camp where they were playing. Everybody was playing inter squad games, and then they played like three practice games before they went into it. How many pitcher injuries did we look at? I mean, Justin Verlander of the Houston Asterisks just uh, a couple days ago announced he was having Tommy John surgery, so he's going to miss the rest of this year and all of next year. Is one of those things that we say is a necessary evil for being in preparation for the season, and I think that this weekend has really brought that to light. Mm -hmm. Sure. For the 49ers, I think, in my opinion – it's a smart move to sit everybody you can for a week. Absolutely. That mm. is still going to be healthy because, I mean, let's face it, Coach, I'm not taking a shot at your Giants. Oh, the Giants suck. But There's no shot. They suck. But to lose a battle, <laughs> to win the war, so to speak, if you yeah. want to put it that terms, to have everybody sit this upcoming week, and obviously against a team that is not playing to their potential, it would be a smart move. And if the 49ers wind up pulling it off with replacement players, so to speak, mm-hmm. It's a feather in the cap of how that organization is ran because yeah. this team looked unstoppable against the Jets, and I'll be the first one to tell you the Jets are completely off. Jets are a bad goddamn football yeah, team. Yeah, they, they are. They are my pick for to land Trevor Lawrence next hey, year. That's how you bad. shut your mouth. I, I would love to see him as a Giant. Don't get me wrong, but I have to say the, the Jets have nothing on both sides of the ball. They looked flat as could be. There is nothing redeeming about the season thus far. I know we're two games in, but yeah, there, I, there, yeah, but, but there's uh, no, light, no light at the end of the tunnel I mean, here. It, it really says how bad your team is when Frank Gore, at 37 years old, is your leading rusher with 63 yards, and then your leading receiver is Chris Hogan with six catches for 75 yards and no touchdowns. Well, Darnold's not the guy. No, I, I'm sorry. It, the experiment is more or less done. It's not necessarily his fault, but at this stage of the game. You're not producing enough. And granted, you're going against one of the toughest teams in all of the NFL. Their defense, minus Nick Bosa, it's still a great defense. Oh, yeah. And, and I kind of, borrowing from the take I saw on either Facebook or Twitter, I forget where. If I was a, a general manager with one of these kind of average teams, and I'll, I'll say the Jets, sure. you know, Jets who have this average quarterback and, and look at a player like like how Cam Newton's doing where you had 31, you know, I'm just saying 31 because I don't know how many teams honestly looked at him. You had all those other teams look at a guy like Cam Newton and go, yeah, now nah, we're good. I'd pull, if I were the owner or the general manager or whoever, I'd pull in the necessary parties and go, the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Well, you they know, think darn. I mean, you can't say that. I mean, that's not the same. The Chicago situation's different. The sure. They went out and they were like, "We prefer Nick Foles to a free agent Cam Newton." The Jets, on the other hand, they you know they thought Darnold was the guy. Mm-hmm. They've got an offensive quote unquote guru in Adam Gase, who was the shining wizard behind a Peyton Manning led Denver Bronco offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's give the credit where that credit is deserved. And, you know, they're a bad football team. I mean, from top to bottom, offensively to defensively, you know, you let Jamal Adams go for a first-round pick Mm -hmm. to Seattle and got nothing as far as value in return to help win this season. So you basically dumped him mm-hmm. for the future. So, I mean, you, I, I'm not to say that they would have given you DK Metcalf, no, but I'm saying no, you could have no. at least made a phone call to get something. If you're going to trade your best defensive player, you got to bring something back in return to help you win this year. And they obviously they didn't do that. I mean, shit, look at what Kansas City did. They traded their best defensive player, but they got an offensive weapon back. Or they traded their best offensive player and got a defensive weapon back. Like, you can't swap 
you know, player for player and not get right. something in return to help win now right. if you're trying to win now. You have to get equal or less. Yeah, you got to get e- equal something. or more value. Right, you have to at least get something. Yeah, to and take, they didn't. To take equal or lesser, in which the Jets did, it just proves that the organization is completely not running on a, right. on a full page here. Because if you're showing up on the field each week like you are, and you're not producing. And let's face it, the 49ers, with backups, mm-hmm. completely ran you out of your own stadium. Now, and Literally. To, to your point, though, about next week with the 49ers and the Giants, I mean, so the Giants played very bad in the first half. And then, obviously, Saquon goes down. Uh, maybe the Bears let off the gas a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. up 17-3. Um, I mean, the Gi- they didn't score again. You know, and the Giants got right back in that game. I mean, they had a final drive where they could have ultimately won it and, you know, all, you know, obviously fell short. So, I mean, to say that you can't – I just – to me, in this Western – in this this division on the West, you can't fall to one and two and feel comfortable. No, I don't – So, I think you have to – I mean, if Kittle can go, he's got to go. I think it's one of those catches that you have to really roll the dice, no pun yeah. intended. But you need to roll the dice here and see can you afford to lose one game and win the season outright. The question is, how strong do you feel you can ride through your schedule? I'll say for what it's worth, the line on the Niners-Giants game right now as we record is uh, San Francisco by four. Okay. All right, so, so it was six telling. and a half up and, and until. The, and the over-under is only 40 and a half. So that's very telling yeah. right there. Well, and again, I mean, that's just – but the, that shows that, I mean, if the Giants play well, I mean, they can mess around. Like, the they, Giants they right scrap, now are a spoiler. Yeah, yeah they yeah. can scrap. And, you know, they sh- the Bears let up, and the Giants got right back in the ball game. And, Daniel, I mean, Daniel Jones at one point, again, just like in the Pittsburgh game, had a drive where he was like eight for eight, and they threw eight straight passes. And they were eight straight completions. So, I mean – and I know this, you know, thing, but like, I mean, if I'm San Fran, I'm playing to win this game because I don't want to fall behind the West. You, you should. They, you, we picked the wrong teams because no. Philly's not going to make the playoffs. No, Philly, Philly is definitely not making the playoffs, and and I like how we're going to segue to that too, because <laughs> with the Niners, they got a lot of questions to answer now, and and it's going to show the resolve of the team. Sure, you can beat the lesser known teams. Can you afford to sit starters for next week? We don't know. For the Jets, I'd like to see their starters show up because, you know, it's been two games already and I haven't seen nothing. Well, and they got to fire Adam Gase. I mean, for like Coach yeah. said, for being the, yeah. the offensive guru he is, looking at the stats as we record, the Jets are last in t- uh, team to- total yards. They are, uh, what is this, uh, third to last in passing. They are uh, second to last in rushing. They are second to last in receiving. And then in the terms of uh, first downs, they are last. That's brutal. And you know what? When you're last, you're not in first, and they're just be looking for draft picks at this stage. But to flip the coin, though, Coach did mention Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They're another team that I, I don't even know where you begin here. But, Pad? Yeah, so uh, for my leap, I decided to roll the dice a little bit. I figured, oh, there's no way Philly will go 0-2. They'll go come back and win one. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, the L.A. Rams came out and just beat the – uh, Philly by the final score of 37-19. Uh, Jared Goff, 20 of 27, <coughs> excuse me, uh, for 267 yards passing. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Carson Wentz, 26 of 43 for 242 yards passing. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? <coughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Eagles' offensive line is bad. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what I banked on. Uh, with Aaron Darnold, you know, being able to absolutely take it to him, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened. And on the flip side of that, of the offense on the Eagles' offensive line, when you talk about their quarterback, yeah, Carson Wentz sucks. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. bad sucks. I don't know what has happened to him. 
he is just not the same player that he no, was. No, And I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that Carson Wentz isn't talented because he has the the arm strength skill and set. the mobility and the skill set. Right. Yeah. It's just he's... I don't know if he's in his own head, mm-hmm. if he's a uh, if he's got confidence issues or yeah. what, but he is not the same guy that he was that rookie season when he was tearing up the NFL and, no. and the Eagles were looking like a team no. going to the Super Bowl then. And then the following year, obviously, was were a team going to the Super Bowl. He gets injured. Nick Foles comes in, plays well. Yeah, I mean that's not any detriment to Carson Wentz because they were winning prior to that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the hell's going on there. And then on yeah. the flip side, the Rams. They're a good football team, yeah. and now they're doing it without Todd Gurley. You know, running back by committee. Yeah, uh, got uh, Acres, who obviously got unfortunately injured, so he was out of the game. Um, I mean, Robert Woods is playing uh, like a number one wide receiver, which he was very inconsistent with Brandon Cooks there prior to. Mm-hmm. Now he has stepped up and is the number one. And obviously, their defense is very, very difficult when yeah. you talk about a defensive line of himself. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald could literally play. All four positions by himself and still stop the run. Yeah, and then you got one of the best cornerbacks in the game shutting down wide receivers. Yeah, they're a very good team. Yeah, no, like you said, Carson Wentz just don't know what the hell's going on with him. I mean, for the year he's got 512 yards passing, who is uh, tied, which is tied for 18th in the league. Two touchdowns, which is tied for 19th. Four interceptions, which is tied for 33rd, and then for his QBR is only 28.1, which is 32nd in the league. I just don't know what the hell's going on with this team because this is a team that you look at it and go, okay, other than they're rushing, which, okay, they, uh, Miles Sanders was their leading rusher, uh, 20 carries for 95 yards, only one touchdown. But you look at this this receiving core, Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz, uh, Jalen Rigger, you know, Miles Sanders, you know, that, that's a pretty okay receiving core, but it's just something's just not connecting. I don't know what it is, you know. Obviously, the coaching situation down there, they got to figure it out. They got to get things working. And then on the flip side, you know, for not really knowing what the heck the Rams are going to bring each week, they're proving me wrong. So, my early takes from this is Carson Wentz is definitely not on the same page with Doug Peterson. No. There is a very evident disconnect of philosophies, whatever the game planning is, that they should be on the same page. It's clearly a tale of two books. Mm -hmm. Wentz is getting out there and trying to be Peyton Manning when he's not even close. Like, he's reading stuff that we're not seeing in the defense, and he is looking absolutely abysmal. Mm -hmm. His supporting cast is not the strongest, and we have to make sure we note that, too. I mean, when when your number one wide receiver is an aged Deshaun Jackson— who is not the Deshaun Jackson of old? No, it's going to hurt. And then you take a look at the rest of the wide receiving core, and it's kind of like, who are these guys? Uh huh. There's nobody in that lineup that scares you. I mean, Miles Sanders is their number one running back, sure, and yeah, he had a great day with 95 and one. But let's face it, you're not going to stop a Rams defense that has found that swagger back that they haven't had since they went to the Super Bowl. And the one thing that they're capitalizing on is they are borrowing as much as I hate to say this. So much from the Tom Brady Patriots offense. Mm. They're not doing big bombs downfield. No. They're doing nothing but screen passes to the left and to the right to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. That is it. If you want to stop the Rams, that's how you stop them because they're not throwing over the middle. They're not throwing down the sidelines. It's basically screen passes to both of those gentlemen. That's it. The running back by committee is working in their favor, which is weird to think because with Todd Gurley being the longstanding workhorse behind the line there, it was going to be a transition that we thought they were going to struggle with. Yeah. 
Clearly, they're not. No, I mean, there's nobody really emerging as a favorite. I mean, Daryl Henderson Jr. was their leading rusher, uh, 12 carries for 81 yards. So it's not nothing to write home about, but hey, they're having a good running by, back by committee. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I fully get you. And the thing is, with Akers going down too, we don't know what we're going to get out of them next week. And I'm not saying this because they're playing the Bills. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, they're starting to have that Super Bowl run swagger back. Sure. Jared Goff does not look like the abysmal quarterback I thought he was going to be. Right. And he's actually making smart, adaptable passes and letting your playmakers make plays. This is why the Rams are winning. Yeah. And this is why they're looking very strong out there. Yeah, game. I mean, they won, but you, you look at their game against Dallas, you know, they got, you got, got kind of got to say they got lucky with that one. They only won by three points. Yeah. And, and that whole end of the game controversy. And then they beat a Philly team that on paper you look at, oh, it should be a pretty good contending game. Philly should be able to pull this one out. But looking at it now, it's kind of like, yeah, maybe Philly's not that good. No, Philly definitely isn't. And it's very surprising to see how bad they are. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they would be this bad. In that Man, did we fucking get that wrong? Yeah, we, we, we definitely yeah. got Whoops. it wrong. But for Philly, they got a lot of work to do. I don't even know where you start, except you need to get your quarterback on the same page as your head coach, or guarantee you one of them is. So not you got to get him in a room. You got to get him in a room together and just lock the door until you, they figure things out. You have to, because because yeah. that team is not going to go anywhere if they're on this, this disconnect. I think I love the call for Jalen Hurts, though. Mm. I love. I mean, what an overreaction by typical Philly fans just to immediately say. Jalen Hurts. That's the answer. Well, That's going to turn then, it around. Well, then pumping in the booze with the no fans being there was yeah. amazing. I but. mean, <laughs> I, I think Jalen Hurts will be a fine NFL quarterback, but I mean, sure. if Carson Wentz can't sure. do anything right now, I don't necessarily know if Jalen Hurts is going to be the answer. I mean, a mobile. Uh, I mean, Carson Wentz, uh, Carson Wentz is mobile. Yeah. So it's not like he's not able to get out of the pocket. It's just no. he doesn't have time. No. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what the difference will be really, you know? There would be no difference. I think just everybody is very frustrated with the expectations. Oh, it's just complete overreaction. Typical Philly fan nonsense. It's just what it is. Yeah, so they're obviously going to have a lot of questions going in next week, and it's not going to get any better for no, them. No, especially Philly's got Cincinnati next week, and then they have the Niners, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Giants, and Dallas before their bye week. I see two Remember when the NFC East was, like, so good? Yeah, and it completely – Pepper's Farm remembers. Oh, compl- man. Yeah. It was something. It, it com- was like – you were like, oh man, you the as a Giants or you know an NFC East fan, you were like begging for them not to play in the division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you were like, oh man, we got Philly coming up next week, mm-hmm. Dallas after that, yikes! And then, whew, all right, we got Green Bay. You know, like we'll get one away. You know, like yeah, no, not even, now. You're just like now you circle that game. and You're like, all right, there's an easy one. Yeah, it definitely isn't going to get any easier for Philly though, and for the Rams. They're playing at an elite level. They got a tough matchup next week, and especially excited for that one. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely excited for yeah. a lot of different slay the games next week. Too. Yeah, yeah, the games are looking phenomenal for next week. But we still got to recap this one. So, coach, yeah. So, boy, stink alert over here. Uh, rough week for me. I had as my lock the Bills five and a half against Dallas. Hey, Ken, thanks a lot. Well, it wasn't against Dallas. It was a or five. Yeah, Miami. read the wrong thing against Miami. Yeah, thanks. Yep. I'm so distraught. Yeah. I can't even read right. Yeah. Hey, all right, Pat, you got those stats? <laughs> yeah, so Buffalo uh, defeated the Miami Dolphins by a final score of 31-28. to 28. Not five and a half. Uh, Josh Allen, 24 of 35 for 417 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Ryan Fitzmagic, uh, 31 of 47 for 328 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Coach, I'll let you get your thoughts I, in before I, I break just, this down. I should have I known better. I You go to Miami in September – Ryan Fitzpatrick is a killer in September. 
has one of the best records in all of the NFL in the month of September, which it's, is it's the massage parlor. Yeah, it's an odd stat. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I wow. Yeah, uh, I went there. All right, hold on. Let me bounce back. And three, two, one. All right. So I just I don't know. I mean. I should have known better. I should have avoided the Bills going into Miami. I should have known better. Division game, AFC East. Everybody always stinkles in Miami in September, um, and I faltered. And I, I, I circled the wagons, and I shouldn't have. But the Bills, they played great. They they played great, and there's a few takeaways I'll say from this. Hold on, real Ken, real quick though. Hey, that trade to Minnesota for Diggs, huh? Looking. Pretty good. Yeah, I was actually pretty talking with some guy over JR, and he. Was yeah, just, I asked. I texted you guys. Did anybody check on him? Is he all right? I uh, know he's not. <laughs> I bet you not, man. Yikes. He, he's not because that team is definitely in a little bit of peril. But for, bum, the, bum, bum, but for the Bills, the takeaways for this that you need to really think about: one, Josh Allen is playing at a high level. Josh Allen's a goddamn good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the things that still scare me is how he's running with the ball. Oh, that's just going to come with age. But he's you got, would hope. He, he's got to be better about it. But sure. overall, the team needed to be better for all four quarters, not three of them. That's fair. That's a very fair statement because they got, hey, winners know how to close games. Yes, and they're lucky they close this because when they came out after the second lightning stoppage, because that's <laughs> why they had they had two stoppages during the game if nobody was uh, getting the updates. One, the truck went out for the feed. Yeah, I heard the, the power, like the game was still on, but the lightning struck the truck or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like something that. like yeah. that. So they had technical difficulties. That's how they worded it. The next time they had another stoppage right after they started going in the third quarter, uh, it was due to lightning in Miami. So when they resumed play, Miami took full advantage of this, and they looked great. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate saying this, the Bills looked anemic on offense. and Josh Allen couldn't get anything going. That defense was just letting the Dolphins run crazy on them. Right. And for Fitzmagic, he only had one option. That's Mike, Mike Kosicki, their tight end. Sure. That was it. Anybody else on that team was not scaring them at all. They were letting Devontae Parker get open all day, and they weren't even worried about him. But when you're getting beat by Desecchi and Gaskin, their running back who came out of nowhere, especially when they have Jordan Howard and Matt Bereda, right. who you actually know who they are, coming in and just giving that shot of energy, they t- overtook the lead at one point. Yeah. Mm. But for the Bills, I will say, though, they at least rebounded enough off Josh Allen, connecting with Stephen Diggs, which that is my new favorite combo right there. <laughs> I and, mean, I would hope so. No, but just how, <laughs> just how they're syncing up, which I do like, because I thought with Josh's accuracy issues – because let's face it, he has them. Yeah. Sure, sure. I thought they would still struggle. The struggles have been lessened each week, which well, I love seeing. Here's the thing: is that Josh Allen can't outthrow Diggs' speed. Right. So that's huge. Yeah, it definitely helps. Him. It definitely <laughs> is mean, a big band aid. There was that one, uh, the touchdown pass where, yep. like, you thought Allen just outthrew him by like 15 yards, mm-hmm. and Diggs turned on this higher, you know, this fourth gear, fifth gear, you know, and caught to the got caught up to the ball and caught it. Yeah, beautiful. No, he definitely did enough adjustments that it's helping Josh Allen get more confident and sure. the third-year progression that we want to see, we're seeing. Mm-hmm. The only thing that does scare me a little bit about the Bills' offense, though, is the lack of commitment to the running game. Yeah. That, oh. does, that, that scares me a little bit. What are you, from the 1990s? Calm down, throw the ball, air it out, we don't spread need, them out, run five wide. I don't want to see this bullshit run the ball. We don't the ball. Arizona football. No, run it out, man. Let Josh Allen sling this thing all over the damn you field. Break, you break couches. Uh, doing Arizona football. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to run, run the read option. That's the most running you need to do. 
Stop I, it. You don't need you don't need the shotgun. You don't need the no, power eye. I just want to see a little more balance, but <laughs> you start you start good. running Arizona offense. Uh Santonio Holmes might come in and make a toe tapping uh, catch there. Jo- wow. <laughs> Josh Allen doesn't Pat need come up speed Yeah, this he's week. he's woof. Josh Allen does not need the to build off the play action. He doesn't need the run to be set to play well. He is a man among boys out there, just no, slinging the ball. I grant you that, but I'm just saying I think it would help them a little bit more. I'm oh, not, I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah, so that's agreed to disagree. I, I want to. I want to see the man sling the rock. I want 500 yards. We got whoa, 300. Whoa. We got 400. I want five now. I'd love to see it next. Week. I would. I you know what I would love? Happen, I would love no. Josh Allen to go. 30 of 43 or 45 and have 500 yards passing. And I would love to see the running back, Singletary in particular, have four runs for 16 yards. If it ha- That's what I would like. If it happens, it's not going to be until the end of October because, as Ken mentioned, uh, they've got the Rams next week, uh, Raiders after that. Then they've got That's all the more reason to throw. Then yep. they've got Tennessee <laughs> and Kansas City. You don't want to try and run against Aaron Donald. He's going to swallow Singletary up. Well, that's gonna Get be- in my belly. Well, the thing is... Josh Allen's going to need as much protection as he can next sure. week. Sure. So yeah. they're not so going to that, that So, yeah, then let's keep Singletary in the block, and let's run four wide. Uh, I mean, Diggs is going to need a little bit of help because, obviously, he's going to be going against Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a tough matchup. Josh Brown will be the, the big X factor. Josh Brown will be, and uh, the little guy. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. That's his game. That's yeah. that's a cold that has Cole Beasley written all over it. It should. So for the Bills, definitely Maybe left. 60 passing attempts. No, that'll probably be against Kansas City. That that shootout's coming. That well, that's I mean, there's one Monday night. Yes, exactly. It's true. But for the Bills, a lot of stuff to take away, be happy about. I just say I don't like seeing the the foot off the gas in the third quarter. That was the only thing that worried me a little bit. Well, I mean, they had the slip up in the third against the Jets. So I mean, maybe it's like a New York Knicks thing. I mean, not to say that the Knicks have been good, but historically their third quarter has been awful, and that's what's really blown games out. So maybe if the Bills could step up a little bit in the third quarter, that would help. It definitely would. But I, it's a, still a win against the division rival. Sure. Uh, obviously, they knew how to handle an onside kick, so that definitely helps them in that favor. And for Miami, I guess the takeaways is you definitely hung in there with a tough team. So uh, congratulations, yeah. question mark. At least you didn't have to go to two. I mean, hey. That name's very popular right now, too. Yeah, I know it is. So Listen, they can't go to Tua. You've got the battle coming up this Thursday, the stash versus the beard. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't. The, you don't want Tua in this game. Yeah, you don't want Tua anywhere near this. Pat, any thoughts on this? I forgot to cut you off. No, here. it's fine. Uh, overall, good game. You know, can't really complain. Look, look good for, you know, everyone involved in it. Can't really say anything otherwise. Absolutely. But I know you got a lot to say about this next game because yeah. that was Coach's Leap. Yeah. And I had the uh, Pats, uh, pa- the Patriots, going into Seattle without the twelfth man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we should note they said during the broadcast that the volume level was limited to about what was it seventy decibels. And yes. I want to talk in- about that instead of, instead of the hundred and whatever that Phil or uh, Seattle usually had. They were minus four and a half or plus four since I was picking the Patriots to be able to cover that. Yeah. And unfortunately, not so much. Well, they came close. Well, I mean, you know, it's not horseshoes. It's gambling. That's true. It definitely is pad picking. Yeah. Uh, so Seattle ended up winning by the final score of 35-30. to 30. Uh, Russell Wilson, 21 of 28 for 288 yards passing, five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Cam Newton, 30 of 44 for 397 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Dude, I love Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf together. So yeah. does my fantasy and, team. Yeah, sure. And does anybody, like, does anybody throw – a prettier pass anywhere from like 
five to fifty-five yards better than Russell Wilson. No, Aaron Rodgers. It's <sighs> close. It's close. No, I mean, because dude, that one that he threw DK Metcalf on that touchdown. It, I mean, it literally yeah. dropped in the bread that was, basket. That was a dime. And the other thing that uh, and the uh, Chris Collinsworth talked about it on the broadcast too. DK Metcalf didn't televise, you know, broadcast that the pass was coming, so he kept his hands down by his waist, and literally the and so the the secondary didn't know, you know, the Patriots, uh, the star corner there, oh, uh, Gilmore, Gilmore, yeah, didn't know the pass was coming to break it up. So that I mean, heads up play by him and the ability for Russell to be able to drop it right there on the dime. Ridiculous. Shit. I mean, that's yeah. nuts. Um, I love – so, I, Pad, you're going to appreciate this. I love this Patriots offense. Yeah. How great is this? I mean, kudos to Josh McDaniels. I mean, we said that, you know, obviously he was able to uh, get the most out of Tim Tebow, which not a lot of offensive coordinators were able to do. Mm-hmm. So you knew that they were going to bring in something similar – to that offense, to New England this year. He's obviously got a better throwing mechanics and arm than Tebow, so they're able to throw it a little bit more. And, you know, the ability to run just adds a dynamic that this offense didn't have before that is, you know, truly dangerous. And on the defensive side, obviously it's been talked about the five or seven players that opted out for COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, leaving them, you know, essentially decimated as far as the front seven. Still, though, playing defense at an elite level, one of the better defenses in the NFL, just went up against a better offense in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And Seattle is exactly yeah. what they what we said they were. Yeah. A Super Bowl contender. No, absolutely. I mean, it was a loss, but it wasn't necessarily a bad loss for them. No. Because it showed a lot of resilience and a lot of wherewithal from the Patriots offense. And and, and an offense that I in no way was going to expect the same sort of offense that they had with Tom Brady. Sure. I didn't know what they were what they were going to get, and I'm liking what I see. And the one thing I just want to talk about, you know, I know Chris Collinsworth gushed about DK Metcalf during the game, and yes, that's true, DK Metcalf, all the praise in the world. Right. But you know, for everyone talking about Gilmore getting, you know, all giving up all that those touchdown passes and all those yards up to to uh, DK Metcalf, we got to keep one thing in mind: uh, Gilmore only allowed, when he was covering uh, Metcalf, he allowed two catches for sixty-five yards. Jamal Adams, on the other hand, Mister, you know, Savior of the World, Mister, oh, he's going to bring on the Legion of Boom two got torched for one hundred and fifty-seven yards while covering a thirty-four-year-old Julian Edelman. So let's not get it twisted here. I mean, the specific coverage on those though are a little bit different. Sure. I mean, but and to Gilmore's credit though, I think his coverage was fantastic on that DK Metcalf touchdown. Oh, oh yeah, there's nothing else I he could have done. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing else he could have no. done. Literally, no. had DK Metcalf turned and looked for the ball with his hands in the air. Yeah, that would have obviously Gilmore would have saw that turn and made a play on the ball. Well, but and, and he I kept also, his hands down. Yeah. He was smart. I yeah. mean, that's just that's good quarterback. You know, and, and and wide receiver relationship there. Yeah, and I mean, as far as the the 157, the Russell, I mean Jamal Adams thing. That just that's tough because it's just a matchup thing, and and sure. you, it he might not have specifically been covering him on all those plays. Sure. He might have just been in the area, and that whatever article you're reading might have just sure. said. Sure. Chalk that up to him. No, I mean, it was a good game overall, and, and Cam looks really good. I like what I'm seeing out Hell of him. Hell yeah. I, I look like what I'm seeing out of the team, and I'm really excited for the rest of the season. This game can just be summed up with this is a possible AFC championship game. Or Super Bowl game. Super Bowl game. Or Super Bowl, rather. I'm sorry. This definitely had that big fight feel to it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And both teams delivered. Anybody that thought the Patriots were going to fall off, look, Cam Newton is in contention. In fact, I already think he's got locked up for comeback player of the year. Oh, Oh, 100%. After two weeks, absolutely. After two weeks. I know I'm jumping the gun, but this team looks absolutely scarier 
than they've been in years, and that is definitely saying something. I hate seeing this as a Bills fan, but I will give the devil their due every time. It's going to be that's going to, whenever that matchup is, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, the yeah, Bills and Patriots. Are, yeah. I think are like around week nines. I want to say. I mean this 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 offense like it's just running at such a efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean from the the goal line packages, the ability for Cam Newton to to die, you know, get that first down or yeah. the short yard stuff that I'll they say, weren't able to get before. And they 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 broke out. I don't think I'd ever I'd seen the in week well, the week 1 game where they broke out that like big man O-line yeah. look where it was like three tight ends or whatever the hell it was. Uh Chandler Jones, you know, former New England Patriot, former yeah. former 607 uh you know, you high school player uh, tweeted out during that game, bro. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you got Chandler Jones, who's a very great defensive player in his own right, sitting there looking at that offensive line, going, "Yo, that's not fair." You know, the only thing I, I kind of question is, you know, the last play of the game. Sure. You know, running with Cam. Okay, get it. Why are you trying to leap some guy? Just run wide left. Well, I don't know why you're running him right left anyway. It should have been right up the middle north south yeah yeah true <laughs> i mean that's where that should have gone true i think this was supposed to throw off the defense because yeah. everybody was expecting it but seattle has definitely been there before so they knew to expect everything mm-hmm. yeah the patriots yeah, so, yeah right yeah. i mean they played each other like hey. four times in like five years <laughs> yeah i mean i thought it would have been worse if the patriots tried throwing for it and that was uh, uh, the irony right or uh, a jump what about a jump pass i was oh, waiting ooh. to see that I, i'm not lying like i literally thought i was like Yo, if they did a jump pass right here, you know the disrespect right now. I, I just what I, I think I would like to see out of this New England offense moving forward. I mean, well, I mean backtracking. What I love is just Bill Belichick letting Josh McDaniel do what he needs to do to mold this offense mm-hmm. into something that can be this efficient. Yeah. Because when you talk about you know a, a coach that's been a coach for that long, you know sometimes giving up some of those finer things are, are difficult to do, mm-hmm. and he's really given him creative control. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely huge. And that's where the Patriots are thriving on, that they have the system, do your job. And Belichick understands McDaniels. This is why McDaniels has never left since he did the one time to go to Denver. Right. For he, like a he, week. Yeah, he's been the heir apparent. He is not leaving anywhere. He, when Belichick steps down, the team is going to him. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's obvious, yeah. And just to see that how this team is still running at an efficiency where they have literally lost a good portion of their starting defense. Oh, yeah. Yep. They obviously lost Tom Brady, so we right. know this is going to be a different look this year. Right. They haven't missed a beat. They're absolutely incredible. For Seattle, they also haven't missed a beat. In Thank fact, you they, for winning my fantasy game. They look better than anything. They and, look, I mean, scary. Oh. Yeah. But was this, especially the scariest that was the one they had during the game when I think it was when Russell had his fourth touchdown pass. Uh, the Patriots all of last year gave up four touchdown passes. Yeah, they gave up four in one game. Well, I mean, everybody before D, you know DK Metcalf is only you know as good as running a vertical route. That's all he's got. But he's added you know to his repertoire as far as you know uh, the in the in routes, the out route. You know, so he's been more. He's a more efficient wide receiver, mm-hmm. and that's dangerous because he was already an elite level. Yeah, yeah. with his size and everything. And yeah. now you're talking about the fact that you know he's getting his routes crisper. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're scary offensively. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely are. scary offensively. And it just shows how tough the AFC West is between them, the Rams, and the Cardinals. The NFC yeah. West. Yeah, yeah the, I said the NFC West, yeah. I thought. No, you said AFC. Oh, my bad. Either we'll way. We'll do it live. Fuck we, it. We yeah, it but live. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I mean, the NFC West, fuck, you, I mean, don't even leave out Arizona. Mm-hmm. Don't no, sleep on them. Okay, yeah, That's don't sleep on them. Yeah. 49ers is the only one I kind of left out of that because the other teams are 2-0 right now. Well, and the 49ers are, you know, and. Down, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's hurt. Also, luck, luckily for the Niners, they don't got to play uh, Seattle until Week Eight. Yeah, so the Niners definitely can 
balance out and maybe they can rebound by the time they face Seattle, but I don't think anybody really wants to face Seattle right now. Hell no. No, no and that's it, why next week is such an interesting matchup. Uh, Seattle's playing Dallas. Yo, I'm, yeah. Shit, so that, they do have to play the Giants. This, do they have to play? Yep. I hope. Oh, oh yeah, Seattle's got to play the Giants week 13, Yikes. which is the first week of December. Dude, they might hang 50. They it, might put fifty on by, that by Giants team. It's not. Yeah. It's not out of the realm of thought. But it's for, not at but all for Seattle. They, they keep Yikes. playing this ways. I mean, we we picked them to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm not down that happening. And for nope. New England, they are still looking impressive as all hell, and mm-hmm. they could definitely make a deep run. Don't doubt Cam Newton and what the offense is doing. Yeah, this loss isn't really a loss per se. Other no, than just it's a good loss. It's a good loss because it showed that this team is still one of the elite teams in yeah. the NFL, and they did not back down from the challenge. So moving no. forward. Pats fans, you gotta be happy about a lot of things. If you're an Atlanta fan, hey. jump ship. You should have jumped ship a couple of years ago. I be- said it last week. I will say it again. You need to literally strip this team down to its bolts and move. Get rid of everything Atlanta Falcon. It needs to be burnt to the ground. Yes. You don't is, have a choice. It, it's not it's not a joke <laughs> at this stage. The, the stink is too deep. I never thought. That a hangover from a Super Bowl would last this long, but dude, you can't God. even blame the Super Bowl. You can't. At this you point. can't at this point. It's so long it's ago. So, but it's so ingrained in them. Yeah. Again, another twenty point loss. Give it, Pad. Do it. Yeah. So Dallas ended up winning the game by a final score of forty to thirty nine. Uh, Dak Prescott thirty four of forty seven for four hundred and fifty yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Matt Ryan twenty four of thirty six for two hundred and seventy three yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. At halftime, uh, the score was twenty nine to ten. Uh, Dallas uh, and or Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta, thank yeah. you. Uh, and then coming out of that, you had Atlanta. Dallas put up 14 points in the third quarter to Atlanta's none. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, you had Dallas put up 16 points to Atlanta's 10. Dude, oh. what can you what can you say? I did it again. I, I do this to myself. It's like almost like you know the Giants. Like mm. I every year I buy in or the Knicks. Every year yeah. I'm like, this is the year they're going to turn it around. And I do that with the Falcons. Every year, it's like, all right, they, you know, Ty Gurley's there. Yeah. They're gonna re, they're gonna recommit to running the ball. They have an elite rusher that they haven't had before. Uh, Matt Ryan's gonna be able to to push forward. Calvin Ridley's gonna take the next step to be an elite wide receiver. Paired him with Julio Jones. The defense is gonna be better. They got a really good front seven. They have a good secondary. Yeah. It's gonna be the new offensive coordinator. It's the year. Yeah. Than this, and then I'm like, why? Why do I keep picking them? You have to literally get rid of everything. Pat. Everything must go. It is Will Ferrell. Everything must go. Yeah, no, it's it's real bad for Atlanta, and I don't know how you can recover from this. I you mean, can't. You are so. Fu- I don't even think we can say it's Super Bowl hangover because it has been a couple of years since they've been in the Dude. Super Bowl. So you can't like. But they still you, they haven't looked at the same since. Right, but that's the same. They're they're you can say they're not the same team since that that Super Bowl. But you cannot sit here and say. It's Super Bowl hangover. No. You know, first year after, yeah, sure. Okay, mm. that that's fine. Two years after, yeah, you're stretching a little bit. But at this point, no, absolutely not. I mean, when you've got a team with Matt Ryan, great player, might have won an MVP at some point. I don't remember. Uh, you know, you got Todd Gurley at, at the running position, and then you still got Julio Jones. You got, got Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst. you got a good yeah. receiving core. That on paper should go. You know what? You may not light up the scoreboard every week with a barn burner of a game, but hell, you should be winning games. You should be able to compete, and clearly they can't. They need to just completely blow this team up we'll say in when, when, every single fashion. When Atlanta, Atlanta's defense gives up two two receivers to have a 100-yard receiving game. CeeDee Lamb, 106 yards. Amari Cooper, 100 yards receiving. Like, what the hell? You like When you sit here and you look at the fact that like I watched a Giants team get absolutely 
decimated by the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were literally decimated. And they still, the next year at least, came back and have like a moderately okay year. Mm. Like, Atlanta's been a shell. And that onside kick, I I know that uh, some like former players and broadcasters were like, well, the spin on the ball, you know, led you know to, uh, some players to have a fear of jumping on it because it might have like plopped out, you know, if they mm-hmm. jumped on it the wrong way, the wrong angle. Yeah. Like, but st- at the same time, I mean, uh, Hurst, I think it was, literally let himself get boxed out by the mm-hmm. Dallas kickoff member. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. You can't no. do that. No, like if you're not going to jump on the ball, you can't let the Dallas player scoot right in front of you like he's cutting in line at school. <laughs> Like you gotta, you have to fight for position, and Hurst literally just did the. Oh, I mean, all right. Well, well, well you well, can have it. Well, and what? Since they changed the onside kick rules, that's like probably the first successful onside kick conversion since those rules have been changed. I think it's pretty. So. I think it's pretty close. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, it's been brutal. And, and kudos to to Dallas to think yeah. about, yeah. you know, laying the ball on its side and kicking it that way. I mean, yeah. that now you're going to see a lot of teams probably do that. Hopefully the teams that are on the receiving end don't olay the ball and, and actually go after it. Yeah, so you know? have somebody on the front line there spying the ball and, and give up like some sort of hand signal. Something, hand yeah. signal like, hey, it's on its side. They need to do something, and I guess the age-old question remains the same. Who is Atlanta? <sighs> what is Atlanta? I know, we, a loser. Yeah, it's just straight up they take there the L's. Go. They take the L's. That's all they do because they're not bouncing back from this. The season. No, no, they're done. They're no. done. They're done. You, done. Done. You can't bounce back from this. Listen, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule. There's nothing looking real optimistic for them. They've got Chicago next week, Green Bay the week after, and then Carolina. It, it's a wrap. They're done. They're and for, done. And for Dallas, though, you have to look at it as a good win, albeit, though, the dramatics I think everybody could do without. But Dak, yeah. Dak looked great. Yeah. I mean, 450 yards and, t- and a touchdown. Yeah. Zeke got the ball, 89-1. and one. I mean, when you're putting up stats like this, you should be winning games. And maybe this is the turnaround Dallas has been waiting on. Maybe. So we'll have to see if they can carry the momentum into next week. I mean, this is a much, I mean, with as bad, I mean, I know we just talked about as bad as the NFC East is, Dallas needs wins. You know Uh what I mean? And they can really, I mean, if they, honestly, if they get to nine wins, I think that wins a division. That's all all you need, nine wins. That's all you need. And like like I mentioned, uh, they've got Seattle next week. After that, they've got Cleveland, the Giants, Arizona, and then Washington. But to be fair, though, Dallas is not a good team. Defensively, there is no Gapes and holes. No, yeah, you're you're very right. They remind me of Kansas City two years ago. Mm, good comparison. Kansas City had no defense, but that was just the emergence of what that offense has now turned out to be. Yeah, but I I think that this is more of a predicate of how bad Atlanta's defense is. Mm-hmm. I'm giving up 30 points two straight games than it is how good Dallas's offense is. Now, and don't get me wrong though, Dallas's offense is very very good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that on a regular basis like that Kansas City team could do, where they were like consistently putting up 30 points. I don't think Dallas can do that. It's a question that remains to be seen. I mean, they have the firepower to do it, but they haven't done it yet. So it's going to be anybody's guess after that. Yeah. Final thoughts on this week, starting with Coach? Well, I mean, this is, I guess, my Giants powwow minute, so I, I'll take that. Um, the thoughts, views, and opinions of that are of Coach Duffy and do not reflect those of the ODPH panel. Yeah, uh, well, the Giants are bad, and it's going to be a long year. Saquon, I am sorry. I've said this before. Um, you know, I we ruined your career, and I am sorry for that. You deserved better, and this is what you ended up with, and I'm sorry. I would have not – I would have – 
preferred this to be something else than it was. Uh, terrible injury. I know that he will come back. You know, Adrian Peterson obviously had a similar injury and came back the next year and led the NFL in rushing. So I know it can be done, and I know he will have the ability to do it. It's just terrible that it had to end this way. Um, I'm also going to say this, and I will say it every week for the rest of the year, if the Giants end up with the number one pick and don't draft Trevor Lawrence, I will flip shit. I'm done. I said this to a friend's group that I am friends with on uh, a Giants page. Uh, a friend you know, responded and said, oh, I have the Giants winning six games. Ironically, this is when Daniel Jones had his second turnover, the interception. I was responding to him at the same time, clicking send while he threw the interception. I said, what six games do you have them winning? Ironically, at the moment that Daniel Jones threw an interception, he responded back and said, yeah, my bad. They were going to get the first pick. So that just goes to show you where they are right now. Uh, I, I, I just, it's so, it's, I don't even know, I don't have words. You know, I mean, obviously they weren't a good team going into the year. They're not going to be a good team coming out of this year. You know, I, I still like what Joe Judge is doing. Not mad at that. Very upset about the Saquon loss. Jason Garrett's been a fine offensive coordinator. Daniel Jones showed promise. And I guess I should say this too. I don't think Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback. I guarantee you 10 years from now, he's going to be on another team that you know he's going to lead to a Super Bowl and everybody's going to say, remember when the Giants dumped him for Trevor Lawrence? And I'm going to say, I sure do, because the Giants are going to be playing them in the Super Bowl that year that that happens. So life sucks. Uh, again, just want to thank Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf for helping me win two of my fantasy football games this, uh, this past week because I got both of them on one team. I got DK on another team. And I just got to say, that combination in fantasy football is real nice. This week can be summed up with horrific injuries. Yeah, sadness. And despair. Amazing finishes. And one crazy highlight that it's still kind of sunk in is the Las Vegas Raiders opened up their new stadium. They with sure an did. Upset yeah, win. we can talk yeah. about that. And yeah. they looked. They, they look, look good. They look good. Yeah. New Orleans, though, not so much. The no. defense looks good. The defense looks good. For Decent. The, yeah. I mean, they it, gave up some bad plays. They bent, but they didn't break. Right. But for the Raiders to step up like they did mm-hmm. to open up that stadium, and granted. I understand fans aren't there, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's still the emotion of going to a new town. And as we've seen, if you want to talk about the NHL, Vegas is embracing mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. Right. Now, are they going to be the diehard Philadelphia, New York, L.A. fan bases? Probably not. No. But they do appreciate when the teams are winning. And for the Las Vegas Raiders, as wild as that is to sound, they definitely came in. They definitely had an upset win that everybody was picking against them. Yeah. And they showed up, and Gruden celebrating with everybody in the locker room after was that something was wild. to see. Um, also, Massgate is probably something we should touch on because yeah. coaches are getting, <laughs> I mean, Six well, how, do, how do I even put this without wording this incorrect? I mean, they're getting, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Pocket book. Pockets are a little lighter Pocket this week. book. They are getting hit hard. Uh, $250,000 fine. For the team. For the team and 100000 for coaches. Yeah. Is that right? Wow. It's, it's something like and that. And then what was yeah. it? Two more uh, coach On top of the ones that got announced uh, yes before yesterday's game, two more coaches got hit. I believe it was. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, it was Denver's coach. Uh, it was Sean Payton and then uh, John Gruden got added to the list of uh, Right. After coach. Sunday night game. After or Monday night game. After yeah. Monday night game. Yeah, they got added to 
to the list of coaches fined uh, for violating mask protocols. I think it's so tough because, I mean, and somebody uh, commented on this on the Pro Football Talk Twitter page. It's like, you know, for coaches who have play duty calling, you know, play calling duty, you know, I, it's got to be tough to be able to, you know, the mask maneuvers and all this stuff and you're trying to call plays and, and you know, whatever. I mean, I know that they were, you know, clearly wearing it below the chin. But, like, at the same time, I mean, coaches are being tested as often as players. Now they're not wearing the wristbands mm. like the players are wearing for the temperature checks and the regular, you know, mm. um, the checks where they are and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're being checked. So it's like I I mean, I'm not trying to to, to do this conversation. I'm just yeah. trying to say like it's really you're putting the coaches in a very difficult position where they have to coach their team and feel comfortable coaching them and you're not letting them do it. It's That's a, it's a it's a fine line to walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately that we are still adapting to that in this COVID sure. era of sports. Yeah. So I understand the fines. I do I do too. I do too. It's just something that I think the NFL as the season is progressing is going to have to take a look at. Well, because, I mean, you look at the NBA, which is in uh, obviously the same environment. Obviously, they're quarantined off themselves in Disney, but coaches can elect to wear a mask. Yeah. You know, so and if the, and if the, and the NFL and, and NHL is the same way. They can elect to wear a mask. But, like, if you're allowing and you're testing players and coaches as frequently as you are, why are the coaches having to be punished? I guess punished isn't the right word, but why are coaches being held accountable for mask wearing? But the players on the sideline aren't. Like I say, you know, I just, I the, just, the, I feel for the coaches. I guess is what I'm trying to say. The rules are very in gray. I mm-hmm. guess I should say. Sure. I think that's the right way to say it because I mean, at the college level, like I noticed, like uh, a lot of the Notre Dame guys, like uh, um, Ian Book and stuff, like some of the mm-hmm. the skilled players are wearing, you know, the the uh, scarfs, the neck pieces, yep. the garters. You know, they're wearing those and pulling those up on the sideline. You know, but. Uh, I just it's it's just it's tough. It's a very tough rule and it's a very tough call because the NFL has always had a very unique stance on uniforms and policies sure. in, in relating to what you can wear and what you can't wear. So that being said, I think as the season progresses, they're going to have to find a happy medium. I think they're still getting used to what this is entailing, and I think what they're worried about is maybe the image it looks like for just, everybody watching at home. To, if they're I, if they're outside, I guess it's different than if they're in the booth. If right. they're in the booth. I understand the idea of right. wearing a mask, but like if they're on the sideline, like I cut say, them some slack. It, it's still a gray area that they need to figure sure. out, and I I don't think we'll have an answer right away with Those it. Are fine. No, FTS fines. There, there, there are a lot of fines. So I, th- I think shit. I think the NFL owners are going to be talking with their coaching staffs and yo coaches I, do. I mean, a hundred k. Yeah. Well, on a I, coach's contract. But like I said, I think it's something that the owners are going to be covering, and they're going to definitely have to sit down with their head coaches Poor and say, the fucking owners are yeah. getting fined 250 so. Yeah, so like I said, <laughs> when the money starts hitting, everybody's going to start paying attention. Oh, well, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be a lot more storylines going into next week as we are progressing through the NFL season. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about week two in the NFL? Did you agree with our locks and leaps and why? Let's have the conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, my name is JT. What's up everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up guys? I'm Josh. Hey guys, I'm Christian. Hey, what's up y'all? This is Dominic and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. 
Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. To go back and to see the way things really used to be. Not knowing we were better for them. To go back and to see the Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk a little NBA playoffs. Basketball is my favorite sport. Oh, my gosh. The Western Conference Finals. How good have they been, Coach? I mean, first game, not so much. The second game, yeah, that was a thriller. An absolute thriller. To say that the Lakers are fully focused is not even an understatement. They came in and definitely had a – Highlight real moment with Anthony Davis yelling Kobe draining the game winning shot. I I don't know. I mean, a lot of people broke down that final play. I'm not. I'm still trying to figure out what Jeremy Grant was seeing. You know, as far as uh, having Miles Plumley double LeBron on the inbounds when he was clearly setting a screen um, for you know Anthony Davis to come over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if anything, why not give up the two? then, you know, let them go for the win, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the way that I would have coached it up. Um, Anthony Davis obviously hitting a beautiful shot. I mean, that was a lineup bullet down, you know, down the net. Um, But uh, Denver obviously is comfortable in this position. They've been down 2-0 before. Uh, They've been down 3-0. So, I mean, I definitely don't think you can count them out. No, you definitely can't. I mean, the one thing that Denver is doing is – they are scrapping with the team that should have ran them off the court. Sure. And I think that that has to be your takeaway. I mean, Jokic and Murray have definitely stepped up their games, and they're giving LeBron and company a run for the money, which is not really a surprise seeing how they've been scrapping in these playoffs, but it is kind of surprising that the Lakers haven't kept up that game one momentum. You know, when they came right out the gate and they were definitely establishing that will, that I think that if you give Denver that moment of hope, per se, that they can still hang with you, it might give you a little more problems in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, if uh, you know, Lakers obviously game three, I believe, is tonight. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm the Lakers, you definitely want to set an early pace um, and try and squash this early on because, yeah, you don't want Denver to hang on. And, you know, they're, the Lakers are playing really good basketball right now. I mean, Denver just doesn't have an answer for LeBron. Um, and once Anthony Davis gets going, you know, that's the biggest thing is that they don't have an answer for him once he gets hot. You know, it's like LeBron early on, you know, is, is dominating early and then almost deferring to Anthony Davis in the later quarters, which has been dangerous because then Anthony Davis gets confidence and then he gets rolling. Yeah, so the minute you give the Lakers momentum to get rolling, it, they're unstoppable. I mean, let's face it, they should win this whole thing outright. But for Denver to really hang in there and really challenge him, you have to give a feather of the cap to the young team. Yeah, I mean, I definitely they got to win tonight. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, if they have any, I mean, if the Lakers go up three zero, they're closing the door. You know, there is no Denver down three zero comeback. No, there this. definitely isn't. No, Denver, this is a must win of epic proportions, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, for Denver to get here, and let's face it, they're playing with house money. Sure. So whatever happens tonight, 
they're not going to get looked upon as saying that the season was a failure if they do lose. They're going to be looked upon as this team definitely overachieved and they got some more elements to go into next season. Yeah, I mean, they've got pieces, I mean, to to build on right now and I yeah, again, I think that the the more that Denver plays obviously in this stretch, you know, the more experience they get the next year, you know, is definitely going to be a year that you think that they take a, uh, a step forward and you know, I saw a stat uh, NBA, uh, the uh, ESPN showed this that they are like zero and nine against the Lakers in the playoffs. That's zero and nine, like that's and like not even winning a game in the series. It was like three, you know, three zero in like nineteen seventy two and four zero in eighty six and four zero and four zero and four zero, and it was like, man, that's just tough, you know, to to mm-hmm. have that kind of like in your mindset of like, hey, we got we'll be the first team to get a win against the Lakers in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, and that's what they need to have because let's face it, if you're not going to beat the Lakers. You're not going to do anything. No, not right, right now. The not regular, the way that the West is set up. No, absolutely. Everything runs through Los Angeles. So if you can't hang with the teams there, and especially a LeBron-led one, you're not going to do anything. I mean, it's nice to have a regular season moment, but let's face it, that's not going to get you a chip. It's almost, you know, maybe they, you know, burnt. You know, I mean, you got to think. I mean, se- you know, seven-game series round one, seven-game series round two, and then you get to this, you know, seven-round, you know, you get to the Lakers and you get to this team that's fresh, you know, and it's a lot different this playoff set setup than it was previously. I mean, obviously the travels out of it, which probably helps, mm-hmm. but I mean, just the grind of you know, it's been every other game. I mean, the East just got uh, an additional day off, right. which you know is tough because the West. I mean, the Denver's been game seven, game seven. You know, game seven, day off, game one, game seven, day off, game one. So it's like this has been their longest break that they've had. I think with the fact that they played. What they played on Saturday night, mm-hmm. right? And now they had Sunday and Monday off, and now they're playing Tuesday. Right. That's the first two game stretch that they've had off since the playoffs started. It's a wild scenario to think about, but for being in the COVID bubble, they've definitely taken advantage of it and they sure. definitely raise their stock. And well, there's a testament to that too, because I mean, they're staying hot. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think at, at some point, and you know, we saw that with the Portland team last year mm-hmm. that you know, you go to a game seven, you know, in a grueling series. And the physical demands that that takes to then go into the next series and have the same energy, you know, who knows what you know type of adrenaline that you know they they were pushing through to get through the Clippers, yeah, you know, because that's a tough series against the Clippers. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George, you know, the physicality those two bring, you know, especially then you talk Pat Beverly, you know, they just they bring a different type of physicality that then you lead into this Laker team with a you know six eight two hundred and sixty pound LeBron James mm-hmm. and a six ten you know two hundred and 40-pound Anthony Davis, I mean, they're just they're a tough physical team. Yeah, it's a tough physical team that they still have to adapt to playing. And like I said, if they don't win tonight, obviously the series it's done. is done. Yeah, it's, it's, done. it's done, but they can definitely look and keep their heads high that they hung in there. And if it wasn't for a Game 2 momentum shift, because anytime you have that last-minute shot that's so deflating. Yeah. It's tough to mentally rebound from. I mean, it, it especially might say, that like you know much energy yeah. that that picked up. You know, especially you know the team rally. You know, the team getting into it after that Anthony Davis shot. Yeah, it's that's a tough moment. As that's a deflating moment that yeah. Denver had. You it's, know, it's a deflating moment. So it's going to show the true character of the team of how they bounce back. I mean, if they get blown out by twenty, yeah, you know the loss is still in their head. Well, because well, I mean, you got to think they probably. You, it, I mean, it's one of two ways. I mean, they might be sitting here thinking like, hey, we threw everything we had at them, mm-hmm. and they still beat us. You know, and 
and now you know that's creeping in their minds of what do we have to do to to uh, get a win? Yeah, you know, and you don't want that kind of mindset coming in because that's when the negativity starts to creep in. You gotta you gotta go in and say Anthony Davis hit a great shot, a lucky shot. We're going to come back in game three. Uh, home game, so to speak, yeah. and we're going to win this game, you know? Well, that's what they have to rebound, and it's, it's going to come down to their coach to get them fired up and ready to go, and it's going to take a young team a quick learning curve. I mean, unfortunately, they have to bounce back quick, and they sure. definitely need to show that, okay, we took the loss, let's see what we're made of. Mm-hmm. They have to have a strong performance. I'm not necessarily saying they have to win, per se, for the series, but obviously it is a must-win game. But for them to get over the emotional stigma from it, yeah, they definitely need to have a good performance. No, I mean you definitely don't want to get swept. You don't. You know, I mean you don't want to get swept. That's that's the worst feeling in the world, especially when you sit here and you're like, you know, we beat a good uh, Portland team, we beat a good uh, Clipper team, you know, and now here we are and we've got you know the Lakers and we feel like we're a very good team in the West that should be challenging them. We should be here to get swept. You know, is almost like that. uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another team that this has happened to where it's just it's deflating and then you start to question things. I mean, and then you go into next year and you're like, damn, you know, they 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 cleaned house on us. You know, what do we need to do? Maybe we need to, you know, move pieces and stuff. So, you know, from a front office standpoint. So yeah, I mean, at least a win, maybe two, you know, feel com- you know, feel hey, we should be here and then go on from there. It's something that they're gonna definitely have to answer. I do like Denver though to win tonight. I think that they're gonna squeak one out. Not saying LeBron and company aren't gonna bring it. But I think it's going to be like within four points. Yeah, right? I don't. I it's tough after that shot. It, it's it. Yeah, I mean, it's you think back to the you know when uh, the um, LeBron hit that shot against uh, Orlando mm-hmm. in that in that playoff series. Orlando was never the same yeah. after that. So and Orlando was you know the a favorite to win that series even with LeBron on the Cavs. So you know you look at that and what that did as far as momentum. And I know that was a long time ago. I'm just saying like no, it's, it's still- a similar you know bolt where you know the Clipper the Cavs really weren't supposed to be there. Orlando was a favorite. They just came to the back from the NBA Finals. Everybody thought they were going to repeat as the Eastern Conference cha- champions. And then all of a sudden this Cavs team show up. LeBron hits that almost half court shot, bank mm. shot, you know, and then the playoff momentum switched um, fully to the Cavs. I mean, not that the Lakers didn't have momentum. I'm just saying, like that, seeing that shot go in, you know, they. I know that Mike Malone will rally the troops. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to get a win. It might be close, though. I will say, yeah, that. no, I definitely, yeah. I don't think that the. I don't think Denver will get blown out again by 20, like in Game One. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if they're going to have enough to win a game. It's going to be a fun one to watch, though. Definitely, as much. Sure. And I'm root. I was rooting. You know, we no, talked know, yeah, last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, the Laker narrative and all that stuff is tremendous. I mean, obviously, it's the the Kobe narrative, which you know is impactful and and you know as um, serendipitous and amazing as it would be if they do go through and win it. Um, at the same time, you know. I, it would have been nice to see a Denver team all of a sudden, you know, the COVID and, and this uprising and all of a sudden, you know, this team coming out of nowhere, you know, even though they're a good team coming up and being able to beat the vaunted Clipper team, you know, a tough Portland team and now beat the Lakers. Yeah. That would have been a hell of a stretch of, of wins, you know. It would be a hell of a story if they could do it, but this isn't Hollywood. This is the NBA. So <laughs> and, and they're in, technically they are in Disney. So, I mean. Magic does happen. Magic does happen, but <laughs> I think Cinderella's been dancing a little too long. Yeah. They might squeak the one out tonight, maybe, but I think it's still going to be Lakers in five now at this stage. I just, yeah. I, have that I mean, that. admit, at worst, it's yeah. Lakers five. Yeah. But to flip the coin, though, to the Eastern Conference and the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics have been battling. The Heat are up 2 1 in their series. 
So your overall thoughts right now on this series, Coach? I mean, I said Heat and six. I thought I was wrong and knew it should have been Heat and four. Obviously, Boston came out with a much better uh, game plan. You know, they talked about it on the broadcast. Attack Duncan Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. The one one chip in the chain or armor that they have, you know, is him defensively. And the Celtics absolutely exploited that and went after him. I mean, he's a tremendous offensive player, but you got to be able to play defense. And when you are, um, you know, uh, not a crutch, but, you know, defensively you're not able to contribute yep. and the team picks on you, that becomes an issue because then you have to be removed from the lineup. Um, and his offensive contributions are too important to remove him. So, you know, it's what do you do? And you got to create more help. I think you got to be able to get uh, Adobe, uh, Adobe, you know, in the paint a little bit more to clog it a little bit to help Duncan Robinson's man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, they're already running the screens on the switches on the screen. So I think you need to continue to do that. And I mean, obviously, playoff Jimmy's still there. And playoff Jimmy is playoff Jimmy. Playoff Jimmy will definitely keep you in game. So the series is not a complete, you know, flip of the turn and momentum has shifted. But for Boston to sneak out that last game, especially when the infighting in the locker room that was widely reported. Yeah, I mean, and I, I like the way that the Celtics handled it because successful teams do fight. Yes. You know what I mean? So that shit happens. So for them to to uh, get in that skirmish in the locker room just shows the passion that they have. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's no different than the bullshit that the Lakers went through. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. I mean, Kobe and Shaq and, you know, even Jordan, you know, the stories that came yep. out during the last dance, I mean – that's what great teams do. So, I mean, for them to fight and then come on the next court, you know, the court the next day and win, mm. just kind of shows that they're in this for the real. And that's what you want to see, especially in the conference finals. You didn't want to see a team just completely implode because, let's face it, Boston has been playing a great team basketball style sure. throughout this entire playoffs. With Jason Tatum, though, being that go-to star, though. Yes, you know, I mean, it's been emerged. great. Defensively, it's been great. It's been all five guys, but mm-hmm. offensively, you know, it, it, you know, Jalen Brown and you know, Kemba, uh, Marcus Smart, obviously, have all contributed. But you know, when it's come down to crunch time, it's been Jason Tatum. Yeah, and he's definitely stepped up to do the thing. So yeah. you can't fault him on that. How it's going to play out the rest of the series is anybody's guess. But for Miami, I think they'll rebound because I think Jimmy Butler's will to win is going to carry them. Oh, for sure. I. Yeah. I just I don't see anything. You know, I know that uh, Sprolstra is going to make an adjustment, you know, defensively. They were running a little bit of zone, you know, in a couple games. They didn't really do it much in game three. So I think you might see it a little bit more to help mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson and the, the lack of the defensive ability that he might have. So you might see a little more zone. I think you're going to see Jimmy doing the same thing that he's been doing. And, you know, obviously Tyler Hero and, and Dragic and um, – uh, Olenek, you know, they're all playing well, so I, I think they're going to be fine. You know, I definitely think they're going to be all right. And, I, yeah, I'm still, I still say Heat and five. I'm comfortable with saying that. We'll have to see what happens. I'm still keeping my pick of the Celtics. Okay. But, like I say, I did like what I saw in game three. I think that they'll get the momentum shifted a little bit, and I think we're going to be pushing this to seven now. Okay. Like, that's my full pick on that. A lot of fun basketball is going on in the NBA Finals, so hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Who you got winning the Western Conference Final? Who you got winning the Eastern Conference Final? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, my lovelies. My name is Chantel, and I'm the host over at Lady Justice True Crime. Lady Justice is a weekly podcast that covers fascinating cases, both past and present, from around the UK and Ireland. Some of them are strange. Many are unbelievable. All of them are completely unique and are someone's story. 
So please come join me on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. Coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk some UFC action. Uh huh. Now, this past weekend, they had a, a great fight night at the UFC Apex. Uh-huh. I honestly thought that this should have been a pay per view card. Yeah, absolutely. This was stacked. Uh-huh. The main card definitely delivered. We're kind of touch upon a little bit of the total main card, but I definitely want to dive into the top three fights on it. So, Pad, why don't you lead us off? Yes, yeah, so the first one we're going to talk about, probably the fight everyone and their mother is talking about, uh, was in the middleweight division between Shemaev and Gerald uh, Mearshirt. I think yep. is how you say that. Mearshirt. Uh, who... Chimeyev, of course, is the gentleman who fought twice in, like, what was that, like, two weeks? Yeah. Something absurd like that. Uh, knocked the you-know-what out of Gerald there with a knockout punch in the first round, 17 seconds in. Coach Hazmat Chimeyev, thoughts? I mean, I, he's, I, I want to see him get some sort of main fight. Good like, lord. Something. Like, something... In a, in an elite status on a on a pay per view where he can shine because he deserves it at this point. I mean, and I know I saw a, a press release that said that he's potentially talking about retiring in a year. I mean, that's scary. Like, I don't want to. I want to see this guy get something before if he actually if that threat is real and there's actual like legitimacy to that. Right, and I mean, I would doubt it too. He's I mean, he's just getting into the game now, so. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if there is legitimacy behind that, and I'm Dana White, I want to try and get as much as I can before that actually happens. The one thing you have to take away from this stat is in 66 days in MMA, Mm -hmm. he has three wins. Mm -hmm. Okay. Factor that in. So that's That's almost Yeah, it's almost like every four weeks. Something he's like getting that, yeah. a win. It's something. It's an absurd stat. Not even. Yeah, he, he won on July sixteenth. Won again in on July twenty sixth, uh, and then won this past weekend on September nineteenth. Yeah, he's taken no damage. And like I said, my math is wrong about this because for me to wrap my head around this, that it's in sixty six days. Literally over two months, he's gotten three wins. I mean, yeah. up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. You know? I mean, cutting weight, and, getting weight. And know? no decisions either. I mean, he's got nine professional fights under his belt. Uh, nine wins, or excuse me, six wins by knockout, three by submission. It's absolutely insane. And for any of this talk of his retirement, no, because I will agree with Daniel Cormier about something. Cormier says he's going to get a title shot by the end of next year. I'd say so. At the absolute latest. I'd say so, just because I went to the UFC.com uh, for their rankings, and he's not even on the welterweight ranking list. He's, or, excuse me, middleweight. He's not on the middleweight, but they said that his next fight is going to be Damian Maya. Okay. So I'm not sure where Maya is ranked these days. We'll pull it up in just a second. But for Chimeyev to come in, he has been the real deal. He is winning impressively. He is winning with style. And his demeanor is like that of Habib. He does not say a lot, but when he says it, you believe it, and you have that sense about what he's bringing to the table. Like that's the scariest thing about him, that he is really the real deal. Like you hear about these fighters that come in, and we've had everybody from Sage Northcutt to Paige Van Zandt Mm -hmm. to whoever you want to say that's supposed to be, oh, the next big thing. 
Chimaev is the only person that's really stepped up to do it and has really been that person to step up and fight. Well, I mean, normally look, when pl- when fighters do this, they're rewarded. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, something's got to be coming down the pipe. All right, so if he f- ends up fighting Maya, Maya's got to be coming up to middleweight because just currently, as I s- sit here recording, uh, Damian Maya is the number six welterweight fighter. He's okay. not He's not in or the uh, uh, middleweight rankings. I think Chimaev might be dropping down then. Uh, if I could be. Because I know that they've been talking that he's going to fluctuate between 170 and 185. And like okay. I said, the name that I've heard the most, and I believe they said it right after the show, too, on the post-fight, was Damian Maya. So I could see them doing a catchweight. I could see that happening. But if he defeats Maya, and then granted, I understand Maya's on the other side of 40, but if if Chimeyev goes to the ground with him and survives, that's the real test because you haven't seen mm-hmm. him taking that route yet, they'll send shockwaves through the MMA community. Yeah. And I guarantee you he is going to get a big profile fight after Maya, too. If, if Like hypothetically saying he runs through Maya in the first round and gets a finish, you have to give him somebody in your top tens. You have to. Absolutely. No, you have to. And the thing about him is he's taken no damage. He is ready to go. He's challenged everybody. So he has that Cowboy Cerrone attitude, but he has just said, tell me when to show up. I want my next fight. And he shows up and he delivers. Scariest thing, but for a promoter like Dana White is a blessing in disguise. I'll say, well, in, in regards to the Damian Maya thing, Dana says that Maya might not be ready for him. Uh, and let me read the quote. Uh, he said in the press conference after the fight, quote, that's what everybody is saying. Now, this guy is special, man. It's true. All the fights that I've had, you'll have guys be like, yeah, I want to turn around fast and let me see how I feel tomorrow. Let me talk to my team. This guy is like, I want to fight here again on Fight Island. So I turned him around. Uh, I called everybody and said, I'm going to do it. We're going to turn this kid around. We turned, we turn him around. He fights again and does it again. Now it's like, I want to come to Vegas and I want to fight in Vegas. I've never experienced this with anyone, not even remotely close. He might fight before Maya, then fight Maya too. Maya is not going to be ready in time for this kid. Close quote. Coach, your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I, it's tough. I mean, what do you do if the guy's not ready? He's not ready. You know, I mean, she may have. Obviously, it's ready on the drop of a dime, you know. Yeah. So if you don't feel comfortable, a fighter's comfortable or ready to fight, you can't fight him. No, you can't. The only thing that this reminds me of, and I know this is, might be a little far fetched comparison too, is when Glover Teixeira debuted in the UFC mm-hmm. back in 1992. Whenever that was, because <laughs> it, it feels a long time ago. Yeah. But when he came in, you know how many fighters were ducking him, yeah, and wanted no part. Sure. This is amped up more with sure. Shamaya. Sure. I mean, the thing of it is, though, is I'm looking at Damian Maya's Wikipedia page. Maya's got no excuse to not make this fight because his last fight was against Gilbert Burns back in March, uh, where he lost the fight via a technical knockout in the first round. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting here in September. So it's been however many months since then. Like, you should be healed up. You should be ready to go. Like, get a camp. Now, obviously, it's not going to be at the drop of a hat in mm-hmm. two weeks. Yeah. But give him time to do a camp. You should absolutely be ready. I think he should be ready. And what I would even challenge him is, okay, if Maya's not ready, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the UFC rankings. I'll even give you who I think is next to a opponents are and i'll give you both weight classes because i know he's gonna he's gonna fluctuate between 170 and 185 which is freaking bananas i will say this if he is going to stay at welterweight his next fight should be number 10 neil magny okay okay do that fight that's a real test for him if he's gonna go to uh, middleweight and fight at 185 you put him against Shabazian, or you put him against uriah hall you bump him up that high chris weidman is even in that realm of thought too like i say that's where you can kind of start stacking a little bit. And I know we touched upon this a little bit last week, but I'm really emphasizing this. These are the fights you need to make. 
that if he's not ready for Maya, which Maya is number six on the welterweight rankings, mm-hmm. if he beats that, I mean, I'm not saying you put him in a number one contender match, but how the hell do you stop him? Yeah. That's the thing. It just depends on how he finishes. But Chimaev get the most crisp right hook that you'll ever see thrown in MMA. Mm-hmm. Knocked his opponent out in 17 seconds. Sky's the limit. He is going to be your breakout star of 2021, no question about it. He's already yeah. in 2020. Scary what you can do with some time. Yeah. But next up uh, was the co-main event in the welterweight division between between Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Nico Price. Uh, and this match actually finished in a majority draw. So the judges had this one 29-27, 29-28, and tw- or excuse me, 28-28, and 28-28. Coach? I mean, sounds like it's an end of an era, unfortunately. I mean, this is not a... A good look for the Cowboy. I have to agree with you. And this does pain me to say because I am a very big Cowboy Cerrone fan. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about guys of the original anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Cerrone was that guy. Literally. And he has gone through battles. He's gone has, through wars. He has gone through so many fights through the good lineage of God. his time. He literally fought anybody, anyplace, anywhere. There's uh-huh. no doubt about that. 53 and, professional uh, matches. Oh, could you even? I know that he even said after this fight he was going to take the rest of the year off, but can you see him fighting Chimaev? Hey, <laughs> yo. Yeah, that's called yo. The, that would be the most insane passing yo. of the torch. Like I said, you fight him at 170 and watch what happens. But this fight definitely lived up to the hype because Nico Price, and we do have to give a little uh, backstory here, he does follow the show. So I'm going to uh-huh. try keeping this as impar- impartial as possible. Nico showed up, and Nico is a wild man when he gets in the cage, and he definitely was doing that in the first round. Mm-hmm. Striking was looking great, albeit, though, too many eye pokes. Unintentional yeah. because yeah. they definitely were. He was just, uh, you know, it's one thing when you have um, fingerless gloves. Right. That this is something the UFC has long had problems with. I don't understand why they don't just get, like, how the gloves are in pride. But I digress. Nico got caught with it. The referee took away one point, and this be, was very detrimental because the second round was all Nico with his striking. Mm-hmm. Cerrone, I hate saying it, but he looked old. He looked like Father Time caught up with him. Yeah. He did not have the zip on his kicks. There were certain head kicks I've seen him land that would knock people out years ago. Right. And they didn't even phase Nico. So the third round, though, I think it was just when Nico ran out of gas, in my opinion. Could be. And that's where he really struggled. Could be. And that's where Cerrone stole the round. But to get a majority uh, decision like this, or draw rather, it makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing this get ran back. But at this yeah. stage, too, I know Cerrone said he's going to take the rest of the year off, which. Yeah, hey, uh, more power to you. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely earned the time off. And like I say, if this was his last fight, I mean, I don't see it, though. That's the only thing. No, I don't. I don't see Cerrone going out on a draw. He yeah. said he's either going to go out on a win or he's going to get go out. And I would pain me to see this getting knocked out. Yeah, you know well, he, I, he's one of those gun, he's one of those old fashioned gunslingers you see in the in the westerns. Yeah, he either rides off into the sunset with the horse and the music playing in the background with the whistle, or he's going to get you know, or it's going to be the the high noon showdown in the middle in the middle of the street. Yeah. One, one of those two has to happen. I mean, unfortunately, though, that comes up to whatever Dana White wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and Dana did not have the kindest, I mean, not the meanest of words, but not necessarily the ideal kind of words that you'd want to hear no. if you're a Cerrone fan and you want to see him in the octagon one more time. No, I mean, but like we said, we always say Cerrone, 37 years old, he's got a lot of tread in the tires. His first professional MMA fight was on February 11th of 2006. Uh, in regards to his Muay Thai record, uh, his first Muay Thai uh 
fight was on uh, February 12th of 2005. And he's even got a professional boxing record of 0-1. Uh, he was in a boxing match on his own, one and only boxing match was on November 21st of 2003. Yeah. So the, so the man's been going for near 20 years in the, in the fight business. 20 years with very little time off. Like, that's the biggest emphasis. I mean, even at one point, I believe he fought five times in one year. I'll say, I'm looking at his Muay Thai record. He fought in February, June, uh, October and December of 2005 in Muay Thai. Yeah, he's ridiculous at his effort. His effort. That's why I said, like, I I'm not saying I'm wishing this because I'm I'm honest to God, I don't want to see this. But Chimea versus Cowboy could be on the table. Yo, at 170, and, and then Chimea will lead him alive. Yeah, but at least Cerrone goes out on a definitive win or loss, and I mean, yeah. I mean, that's how you want to go out, and that's how Cerrone's yeah. always fought. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Maya's not ready, I know a guy. It's one last shot in the sun. He'll definitely step up for it. You'll get the best of Cerrone you can. And then if Chimeyev is the real deal, he gets that fight, that's a huge name to put on the checklist. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And then you go from there with him. Yeah. Now, though, to the main event. Yeah, so this was, again, in the welterweight division where you had uh, Tyron Woodley taking on Colby Covington, uh, where Colby Covington emerged victorious uh, via a TKO, which was a rib injury, uh, in the fifth round. Coach, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean... What an interesting fight. You know, I mean, we'll obviously dive into the extracurriculars probably, you know, after after we're done. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just I, – I, I don't know what to say. I mean, Woodley looked a little flat. He looked a little sluggish. He looked a little mm-hmm. um, just not comfortable. Um, and, and Covington definitely exploited that, not so much in the early rounds, but definitely second, third, you know, and eventually when he got him to the ground, then he really started to implement his own strength, you know, implement his strength on him. Um, I don't know, you know, Woodley on his back, I don't know exactly what happened. I mean, he he planted his arm and then went to turn, you know, it looked like a a rib, you know, possibly might've popped out. Um, which is definitely an unfortunate injury and something that you wouldn't want as a fighter. Um, but, I mean, just from a performance standpoint, it's definitely not – he has not been the same since Usman, and mm. I don't know if he will be the same after this fight either because he just did not – he didn't look like the same guy. Pat, any thoughts? No, yeah, it was definitely, you know, a good fight for Covington, you know, not a great fight for uh, Woodley. It was a, a rib break, and I know he sent uh, the photo to – he sent the x-ray to Ariel Helwani on his Instagram, so if you go into that. Uh, it, it did break at one point during the fight, and then I forget the specifics, but he told Helwani that he went to go do something, whether it was like a submission or he went to pick him up or something, and it just fully went. Like it was, it was. He, uh, Woodley said it was one of those instances where it was like already ag- it was there, but it wasn't fully like bothering him. Uh, and then he went to go do that move, pick up move, whatever the heck it was, and it just fully went. Uh, Woodley did say it's the worst pain he's ever felt, which is really saying something for Tyron Woodley. Yeah, you know. So who knows where they go from here? Colby, I know he wants his title shot. I can't exactly argue against him at this point. So my takeaways from this. Um... I had a feeling Colby was going to win. I cannot stand his asshole character. Nope. Because it's fake. It's absolutely fake. It's This is bad WWE writing all over this. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an embarrassment. I mean, I understand that it creates buzz and everything. Sure. And, I mean, whatever your you know political affiliation is, and mm-hmm. you know that's to you and yourself. But, I mean, this, to me, is an embarrassment. The way that, you know, you want to, you know, uh, affiliate yourself and you want to uh, pick a candidate – 
all well and good. You know, I'm all for all, you know, athletes having their stance, but conduct yourself in a professional manner, and he's an yeah. embarrassment. I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to a fighter trash talking. Sure. Chael Sonnen did it, and mm-hmm. to great effect. As much as I want to see Conor McGregor get his head taken off, he trash talks, and and it, there are times it's funny. I hell, some of my favorite trash talking moments are Conor McGregor getting ready to fight Diaz. Yeah, sure. The, the bottle throw and just the and, and that big press conference. Uh, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. You know that is a classic for me. If I'm ever need a, a la- quick pick me up laugh, I often look that video up near and dear. You know, but there's trash talking for the sake of trash talking, like a Chael Sonnen, like a Conor McGregor. Take your fighter, pick your fighter, and then there's that kind of trash talking. And I and when it comes to your involving other people and other and other yeah and other fucking sports, other sports, yeah. other like, athletes, like keep it to the octagon, keep it to your to your fellow fighters. Don't go branching out on this like, and, and and bring in you know LeBron James or whoever you want to bring in and start like, sh- shit talking. You even register on LeBron James's mind, yeah. Like no. you even you think that you and your comments are even going to weigh. Down yeah. his thought process at all? Yeah, is pathetic. No, yeah. If if he wanted to trash talk Woodley because Woodley had a, a counterpoint, sure. Hat during the Wayans or whatever it is, fine, Danny. That's your do po- it up. That's your opponent. That's your field. Go for it. Mm-hmm. But leave the other athletes out of it. Yeah, his whole character, like I say, I am not a fan of. I don't endorse it. I don't support it. I understand why he's doing it because. Let's face it. And if you talk, and if you listen to anybody who knew him from back a few years ago, they'll tell you it's a shtick. Yeah, it, it, it's a stick. But like I say, listen to what we're doing right now. We're right, actually, we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about. Him, so he yeah. he won this. And I mean, really, hold on, I, can, I mean, I just if he thinks that he reg- like if he thinks that forty five gives a shit about him. Yeah, that's even more pathetic. Yeah, because that was all. All that was was buzz. Yeah. That's all that was. All that phone call was was just buzz. Yeah, you know, to to catch it live in your post fight press conference like that and stuff. Come on, who you try? Like who you, you think? I mean, I guess I'm woke. Yeah. Call me woke because I, I mean, I guess I get what you're doing. The, I'm on to it. Well, I'm that, on to you, Colby. Well, that's the whole thing about him is that he came in there, and we already talked about this. Tyrone Woodley did not look like the fighter. He's never yeah. mentally recovered from the Usman fight. Dare I say he's the Atlanta Falcons of I the mean, MMA world? His his ribs haven't recovered, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, his ribs took yeah. damage because I will say this: take take the bullshit character out of it, sure. the equation here. Covington fought a smart fight. No, he definitely he, he implemented his will in that fight. He did, especially after the second round. He landed strikes. He definitely was working the body. Yep. Woodley never won a round. In fact, Woodley looked like he was done. He I, he looked mentally broken. The first round was his strongest round. Yeah, but it was only because it was the more you know. I think like the first minute and a half to two was a real feel it, you know, feel it out process. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, from that moment on, you know, second round, third round, it was all Covington. Yeah, it definitely was. And for him to take him down as he did in that fourth With ease. Inning, it was ease. Like, Woodley is known to have wrestling. He's not the most exciting fighter, but he can throw hands. Like sure. That's, that's what's gotten him his most success. He looked defeated. He looked like he did not care in this fight. And that's and that for all the trash talking they've been doing for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woodley did not live up to this. Woodley looked old and he looked slow and he looked like he did not give a shit. I don't no, know, I especially know after that first takedown, he looked yeah. just completely checked out. Yeah, he was just like, okay, well, I can't do nothing, so I'm done. In my opinion, it's like you absolutely gave up mentally. It was just a matter of physically. And then when we got to the rib injury, it looked like Covington was trying to do like a twister-type move. It was a body twister, but he was just trying to work position, and that's when you saw Woodley did the verbal tap, and he's like, my rib, my rib, my rib. 
And then we had the Colby Covington post-fight show, I guess you can call it. Sure. With 45 calling in after his, uh, whatever the hell he was doing that night. (laughs) And then. Promos is what they were, promos. Yeah. And then then we had the post-fight matchup with him and Kamaru Usman. (laughs) Which we said this on the Twitch stream. Uh, if you caught the UFC coverage we did on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast, Usman is going to do a lot of bad things if they ever have this rematch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Woodley crossed some lines, in my opinion, with some of his trash talk. Covington crossed lines. Or Covington. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 I got you. No, Covington definitely crossed some lines of what he was saying. And it got to the point where Usman just flat out said, I broke your jaw last time. <laughs> I broke your jaw. Yeah, like and Woodley was. Or yeah, you weren't talking. And, you weren't talking last time because yeah. I broke your jaw. Yeah, that's what he said. And yeah. Covington was acting like it never happened. But, that, but that's what these guys do. That's yeah. that's what you know. These guys that are portraying characters, that's how they portray them. They that they're the you know the bully in school. You mm-hmm. know that's. That's what bullies do, you know. Oh, I, I, last fight didn't happen. Well, no shit, it did because Usman's the champion, yeah. and your jaw was wired shut, and you weren't talking shit then, yeah, because your fingers were talking. Because then it got to a point where Usman's like, "Well, I just had to break your jaw last time. Now I'm going to send you to the hospital." <laughs> and certain fighters, you kind of say, "Okay, that's trash talk." Usman, you don't want to fuck. No, with. Usman, well, no, Usman, I fully believe about this one. Listen, I hope we get the Usman that fought. Covington and fought Woodley the first time. Mm-hmm. The you know that killer instinct because what I saw in that Mosleyval fight, Covington will have the ability to fight. You know, I mean, we'll be able to take the fight to him because Usman did not look the same against Mosleyval. Now yeah. I don't know whether that was just him trying to protect himself to not get caught by you know a shot by Mas you know mm-hmm. one of Mosleyval's heavy hands. Yeah, he played it safe. Yeah, if he played it safe, then that's fine, good. But I want to see the Mazival that was, you know, or excuse me, I want to see the Usman that was in those first two fights that I was like, dude, no, I don't want to see this guy ever. Yeah. Uh, Kamaru Usman in his professional mixed martial arts uh, career in 18 fights is 17 and one. Sure. The and one loss coming back in his second ever professional fight uh, for an organization, CFA 11, uh, he got submitted. That was back in May of 2013. Since then, he has not lost a fight. If you throw in his exhibition record, it jumps to uh, t- 19 and one. He has not lost a fight. You look at some of the fighters he's fought uh, since coming to the UFC. Uh, Sergio Moraes, Damian Maya, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, he, he, Leon Edwards, he, Shane Strickland. He has just won them all and beaten them all. Well, I just it, something happens when you become the champion. You know, oh. I mean, that's look at John Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, as as great and as talented as he is, something happens when you become the champion. Now. Again, that Mazival fight, you know, like you said, maybe he was playing it safe. Yeah, you completely did. Yeah, and, you know, he was, it was airing on the side of caution. I don't want to see that in this fight with Covington. No. I want him. Take his goddamn head off. Yeah, I want him to be the Usman prior to winning the championship. That's the one that I want. And I think you're going to get that because I think the so too. one area that Mazival doesn't have, and, and this is not a slight on him, this is just a fact, he's not known as a wrestler. Sure. So there's nothing to fear about if you can keep – a striker on his back the entire time. Or in a grapple up yeah. against a cage, yeah, stepping I mean, on his foot. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely negate anything that comes along from a striker if you do that. With Covington, it's going to be a frenetic pace. It's going to be a lot of grappling to set up shots. A lot of the same game that Usman does. Right. So that's why I said this one, 
I fully think is going to be more personal to him. And I think because of the comments he said after, I fully think that Usman is going to be like, you know what? We're not playing it safe tonight. No. We're going to send a message tonight. Well, yeah, especially. I mean, this just goes to show in the, the pathetic nature, you know, of – you know this string of of thought process you know Covington after you know when they brought up the phone call you know Covington said you know who called you after you won your championship mm-hmm. was it your your yeah tribe? yeah he made like, that that's offense. fucked that was an that's offensive so comment that's so fucked yeah like you talk about you know this bullshit and then you look at a comment that he made like that what does that have to do with anything that's that's, what, that's that, so that is unnecessary yeah, I, you call me a fucking snowflake, you do it, and come see me when you call me, because that is an unnecessary comment. I fully agree. It's not needed. No way in shape, form was that necessary at all, and you and it was praised upon, which is even more unnecessary. Yeah, no, he, he definitely crossed the line with that. That's why I said he's now made this into a personal issue with the comments he made after that fight. And like I said, for whatever his character is trying to portray. Sure. He definitely crossed lines. I mean, I, but this is again, I, I you know, another an issue with the UFC organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I understand that you know it's buzz and it creates notion and everything, but somebody some, from the UFC should have came out and said like, okay, this it, was a little, that comment was a little far. But you know what? I don't think they were going to. No, because, of course they're not. No, I agree with you. They should have because somebody should have cut his mic off when he started going off in those rants. Yeah, bad, bad in blood. My opinion. Bad, bad blood is how we got a dolly thrown at a bus in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen this time around? <laughs> That's why I said I understand that Gilbert Burns has a title shot coming up against Usman. Sure. I'm not saying he's going to get knocked out and they're going to fast track this Covington fight. Well, let's talk another bad blood Covington fight that can be on the docket because. One Jorge Masdival is also not a fan of Colby Covington. Yeah, he's definitely picked his battle. So you're, it's it's pick your poison at this case with whatever Covington's going to do next. And I know after those comments that is, I'll I'll even go on a limb and say this: if Usman does beat Burns, and I know that fight is uh, allegedly scheduled for the end of this year, mm-hmm. if it's a quick turnaround. Don't doubt that fight happens in February between Covington and Usman. I believe don't, it. Don't because I could see I could see Covington waiting. Sure, he doesn't want any part of Masvidal. Well, because, I mean, he talked all that game like he does, right? <laughs> but I don't think he wants any part of Masvidal. No, no, I think Masvidal has got Diaz locked up for a rematch for the BMF uh, nonsense. There, that's going to happen. I well, fully, I mean, let's see though because after the fight, he said Usman and. Masvidal. Yeah, you know, he called so, out both. Yeah. So, I mean, one of two ways. One, you know, maybe he just named it to, to you know, buzz and bullshit. Or maybe, you know, he named it because he wants the fight now and he's going to actually take it. And maybe, you know, because obviously I'm sure Masvidal wants that payday against Diaz. Oh, That's obviously yeah. going to be a payday. But maybe the, I mean, Masvidal has wanted his hands on Colby since they were roommates. Right. And that, you know, relationship fell apart. So maybe Masvidal says, hey, I know my payday's there for the BMF, but I want this one first. I, I fully agree with you, but I'm thinking as the promotion. Yeah, no, and no, no, I what? get it. And that's why I said the promotion's going to be very careful because with Covington, with a live Twitter account, sure, is all going to be spewing that bullshit to hype up the title fight. And for them, that's what they see being the big money fight. With Masvidal, you can plug him against anybody. He's a superstar right now. Right. But I think that what they're going to do is they're going to wait until Covington – is set to fight the winner of Usman Burns, which I fully think is going to be Usman. 
and then that's when stuff's going to get scary. It's not going to get interesting. It's going to be very scary. I mean, we thought the Mazival was on. You know, trash talk was bad. I mean, the the Super Bowl, you know, press conference and shit. Like, mm, we yeah. thought that got scary. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, they're you, they're not going to have interviews where they're in the same building. No, no, no. no. Who did, who did, who did John have that did that? Who did John fight that they did that? Rashad. Yeah, yeah, Rashad. You know, no, it was Cormier. Cormier, they did that too. I think they did it with Rashad too, though. Yeah, I mean, well, at one stage they did. I I think I mean, especially if you let the bad boy. I mean, because listen, Covington's just a bully. Mm-hmm. Who, if you punch him in the face, he's going to back down. Yeah. So I think if you let them interact, you're going to see. You know, he he's going to run his. Something's going to get thrown. Yeah, he's going to flap not, his gums. Something's going to get thrown, and it's not a hand. When when I'm sitting here, you know, if Covington's sitting here and Usman's on the other side, Dana White. He'll he'll flap his gums all as one, but when you know push comes to shove and they're next to each other, say so somebody might channel channel their inner Bobby Knight and a chair might get thrown. I mean, there you'll see his mouth shut real quick. And that's why I say, but the UFC is going to want those ratings, so don't doubt that fight. No, happening. no. That's why I say, like, sure. it'll get weird, but I I I understand him. Hey, you'll generate a lot of buzz, a lot of pay per view buys. Hey, yeah. abs- Oh, I mean, it would probably be the hot. I mean, it's probably the hottest book fight that they can have right now with you know Connor yeah. and Flux. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, obviously both Diaz is coming out now. You know, coming back. Um, you know, so they're buzz names. But as far as like, you know, I mean, outside of John fighting for the you know a heavyweight title, mm-hmm. I don't think that you could have a bigger pay per view than those two. No, and especially from the negative buzz that Covington has now generated for you. Yeah. People are gonna watch because they're gonna want to see him get his Exa- ass kicked. Exactly. I know I am. That's yep. why I'm waiting. That's I'm, why I'm gonna watch. Oh you will definitely be doing that live Twitch T V six oh seven podcast. I mean I that there won't be I mean unless it was Connor, I don't think you would hear a more one sided viewpoint from me. Yeah. In in all of fighting. No, I, and you know what I fully agree with your point of view too, because I think the, the antics they have allowed him to get away with, especially that after pros, press conference. Yeah. Uh, unacceptable. Absolutely. In my opinion. Just like if you want to have your opinion, do you. Yeah. But you know what? You have to also be mindful of who you're talking to and what you're saying. And for Covington, he's just saying whatever bullshit is coming to his head and definitely reeks of that. It's It's just comical that it's let's keep politics out of sports until this politicking comes into sport. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's really what it boils down to, you know. I would actually like uh, my sports to stay out of politics because I had to watch the U.S. Open, and if I had to see another Brandisi or whoever the hell he's running against commercial – I was going to throw something through my TV. Yes. But I don't want to get – November 3rd needs to come and go because I don't want any more commercials. I want to watch – I would rather watch a Buick commercial and hear that goddamn song dun, 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 a million more times than I would rather see those commercials air again. And the last political statement we'll make here on the show for voter registration and organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, go check out the ODPH directory on OchoDuraParleyR.com. But let us finish talking UFC on a high note because this Saturday night is UFC 253. We're going to be live reacting on Twitch.tv. Hell yeah, we are. 607 Podcast. Two big title fights. Pad, break them down. Yeah, so the first one is in the co-main event for the vacant light heavyweight championship. You've got Dominic Reyes taking on Jan Blaskovitz. Sure. So this one, obviously, Dominic Reyes... Claims that he beat John Jones, mm-hmm. young crown champion. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jan Blachowicz. Claim that Jan Blachowicz, longtime contender, had had his title shot locked up and had been waiting to get it finally with John. We all thought that fight was going to happen. John has vacated the light heavyweight title. He's moving yep. up to heavyweight. Yep. So that being said, who you got for Saturday night, Coach? I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm Blachowicz. I'm not 
too familiar with. I saw Reyes against John. I saw the way that he was able to use, you know, his reach and boxing ability to throw John off, you know, mm-hmm. as far as rhythm and timing. Um, not many fighters can ever say that they've done that before. So I'm going to go Reyes. I'm going to go Reyes. Just you, you've stepped into the into the octagon with the quote unquote goat of that division and arguably of UFC in the last you know five ten years, and you took him to the limit. You you know you took him to the to the you know five five minute rounds into the decision, and and you can say you almost beat him. You know who, whether you did or not is is for up for debate and up for opinion. So I'm going to have to go with Reyes. Reyes had a great God performance. We're wrong. He had a great performance. No no, he had a great performance <laughs> against John. But what scares me is if this fight goes past the third round, mm-hmm. Reyes doesn't have a gas tank. It no. was, yeah. was clear evident. Yeah. So for Reyes to win, he's got to end this early. For Blahovitz, he is more or less playing with house money because he's the long-forgotten fighter. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be forcing him to be a little hungrier. I think it's going to make him definitely want to step his game up a little bit. If Blahovitz can take this to the ground early – I think he's definitely going to take advantage of this and make Reyes get gassed early. Yeah, I don't know if Reyes can get up. That's going to be the question because Reyes is a big guy, but the cardio wasn't there. So unless he develops some overnight, I think this is going to be Blahovitz. I yeah. like I like him to win by split decision. I'm even going to go that okay. far. I think Reyes is going to look a lot of the same fight against he had John, but I think at the end of the day, though, that cardio is going to come back to haunt him. Sure. But that's not our main event, though. What do we got? So that is in the middleweight division for the championship where you have uh, champion Israel Adesanya defending his belt belt against Paulo Costa. Coach? I mean, Costa is a scary man. I mean, I've been watching the highlights of him throwing these hands. Yikes. I mean, Mm -hmm. just the the – uh, the the muscular muscularity on the back, which what that means for being able to tra- you know transition power to mm-hmm. his hands, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So he just throws these violent shots. Yeah. Um. You know. So yikes. Um. But on the flip side of it, Adesanya, you know, when you talk about you know being able to to you know the sport and beauty and pageantry of you know mixed martial arts, you know that's what Adesanya brings. You know, he paints a picture you know, in the octagon with his ability to fight, you know, in multiple facets. So, you know, will he be able to exploit the fact that Costa really just likes to throw hands, um, you know, and be able to be a more skilled fighter and win? That's kind of where it's a toss-up. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I like, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm so on the fence because, you know, I like, I like the fact that, you know, hands can catch you and knock you out in an instant. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, like I said, you know, Adesanya is such an artiste in there that I almost think that he'll be able to exploit it and find a way to, to create a weakness and, and take Costa, you know, and push for the win. So I guess I'll uh, stick with the champion. Okay, Pat. Paulo Costa, 13 professional matches, 13 wins, zero losses, 11 by knockout. One by submission, one by decision. Uh, on the flip side, for Israel Adesanya, 19 professional matches, 19 wins, zero losses. 14 by knockout, five by decision. Uh, as the saying goes, something's gotta give. And in this instance, I think it's going to be Adesanya being the and still champion. This fight I'm super excited about. Sure. I love everything about this. Adesanya is the modern-day Anderson Silva. They mm-hmm. fight very similar. Yeah. This is a young, stylistic Silva. Hence the artiste. Yes, which I, I loved how you actually put that. that was Thank very you. Thank you. 
Adesanya, though, has been talking a lot of trash. He definitely took a lot of heat for how he fought Yoel Romero, though I sure. will give him credit because nobody wanted to fight Yoel Romero. Sure. Very true. Because you don't survive Yoel Romero, Well, that, that's the other thing. You look at the ra- the list of folks that Adesanya has beaten. Uh, Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson, Anderson Silva, Kelvin Gastelum, Robert Whitaker, and Yoel Romero. Yes. It's quite the list. He has definitely stepped up and fought everybody, so it's not like he's been ducking anybody. Nope. But Paulo Costa, I think, is going to do the one thing that nobody else has been able to do. And I think he's going to apply so much pressure on Adesanya that where Adesanya takes advantage from counter-striking, I don't think he's going to get the opportunity. I like Costa in this one. Well, if you look at the blueprint on what beat Silva, Mm -hmm. it was that. It was pushing the pace and not letting him counter. You know, I mean, that's what Weidman was able to do. Exactly. So, I mean, when you put it like that, that makes a lot of sense. But... At the same time, though, Adesanya can catch you. He can, and that's the one thing Costa is going to have to weather because he's going to take shots. Like, this is not going to be a uh, No, this is going to be a battle. Yeah, this is going to be a Chimea of 17-second knockout. I will be shocked if it is. Let me put it that way. But I think that this one is going to be tested. I think that Adesanya is going to have his first real challenge, per se, since Gaslam, because Gaslam gave him a run. There's no question about that. Yeah. But I think the Costas pressure is going to be a lot that is going to give Adesanya fits. If Adesanya can't set up and counter, he's going to have to adapt on the fly. I just don't know if he can actually keep Costa at bay that long mm-hmm. to set up. So that's why I'm taking, via stoppage, Costa. Mm. I'm going to go him. I would uh, like to speak on, Pat, on behalf of Pat and I and say that uh, I don't appreciate you going against us, Ken. <laughs> well, uh, you, I mean, first off, I feel uh, a little bit triggered and assaulted because <laughs> I feel like you're intentionally doing it because of my shitty picks, which, you know, if you're going to fade me, <laughs> just tell me. <laughs> just just speak the truth. Pad, yeah. thank you for riding with me. Hey, well, always there for you. All right. Oh, look at this moment. Super Bowls uh, notwithstanding, always there sure, for you. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So, I mean, it, Ken, if you're going to fade me, just tell me. It's okay. No, because... I'll deal. Because here's the thing. He's a big boy. Because I'm going to, I mean, we're going to go in and stream it on the show, and I'm going to say the same things I said, and you're going to pick against me, and everybody's going to be in the chat, and they're going to be like, oh, well, coach picked this guy, so I'm going against him, and I'm going to be like, fuck you guys, all right? I mean, <laughs> it's just because I had a bad string of luck, you know, it doesn't mean you got to fade me the entire time. If you're wondering what we're talking about, you have not checked out our live reaction video on Twitch. You definitely need to go to swing by twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Join the chat and make fun of me. Absolutely. Join in. I mean, the views have been spiking lately, so definitely keep them going. Drop that sub, which I believe will be the last day of of September, as they say, which is 20% off a Twitch subscription to us. So we will appreciate that. But it's going to be us with our friends over at hashtag 607podcast. Rich Ron and hashtag Big90Cool are going to be on the stream as well. It'll be a fun night of fights. These are going to be two of the biggest fights of the year, and this mm-hmm. is got, this we're giving our predictions, but it could go either way. I'm going to say that right now. That this You're just trying be, to make me feel better. Well, that too. <laughs> that this could like I say, this one is tough on paper, but this one is definitely going to be a highlight real moment. Either way, yeah. If you miss it, it's your loss. But definitely join in on the chat on Saturday night, and definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH. UFC 253 going down this weekend. What is your early predictions? And give us your reaction to Colby Covington. We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. So, Pad, let's round those bases and take it home. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit of baseball because, surprisingly, we are in the final week of the Major League Baseball season. Uh, Slate of Games is going to end this Sunday on the 27th before uh, the postseason kicks off in their bubble format uh, on Tuesday, September 29th. As we sit here recording, uh, these are the teams that are currently slated to may be in the playoffs. Uh uh, from one to eight, you ha- in the, the American League, you have the Tampa Bay Rays, Chicago White Sox, Oakland A's, Minnesota Twins, your New York Yankees, the Houston Asterisks, the Cleveland Indians, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, over in the National League, again, from one to eight, you have the Los Angeles Dodgers, Chicago Cubs, Atlanta Braves, San Diego Padres, uh, Miami Marlins, St. Louis Cardinals, Cincinnati Reds, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Coach? You have any thoughts being the baseball guru? <laughs> Go Yankees? Exactly. Yes, that's all you need to say. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Got you got it right. I hammered it. So what you got for your base, Coach? Uh, so I, uh, the NBA, uh, Adam Silver today uh, doing an interview, uh, said that speculation right now is that the next NBA season might not start till 2021. What well, makes sense. Which, yeah, absolutely. We're, I mean, we're, obviously, we're, sitting here in, we're sitting here in the late September, and they haven't even started the finals yet. Yeah, so, not, I mean, obviously you got to give you know some of these players uh, some time off. You know, we've often talked about the Knicks fans of us and – you know, I uh, Christmas Day for me is, uh, you know, family time, but I also like a little NBA sprinkled in. Uh, and, you know, I've had a lot of great memories, you know, with NBA and, and Christmas sure, Day. Sure, So to not have that on Christmas Day, it's going to leave a little bit of a void. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. I love my family very much, but I also love my, my basketball. And, uh, you know, it's upsetting to find out that there's not going to be a Christmas Day. I, you know, we were talking off air. Mm-hmm. I think why not let, you know, maybe some of the teams that weren't in the bubble be able to kick off the season uh, on uh, you know, Christmas Day, you know, let them start a little early and eventually let the uh, bubble teams catch up would make – I don't see why it wouldn't work. Um, yeah. They would just have, you know, a little bit of different rest time or whatever. But, uh, you, you know, that way you kick off the season, you still get that March basketball. Yeah. And, you know, you start the season off right. Um, and also – Billy Donovan today named the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, yeah great hire. Big news. I mean, obviously took uh, you know an OKC team that nobody really expected anything from, and was able to lead them to you know a run in the playoffs. I don't. I would not expect him not to be able to do the same thing with this Chicago team with Lori Markinen and you know Zach Levine, Colby White. You know they've got a lot of young pieces there. So I mean, I would definitely not. Fear to say the Bulls are back. Yeah, Zach Levine, mm. real excited. I know he found out the news while live streaming Call of Duty, so he's real. <laughs> he, he's, he's real excited. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a big move for them. So you definitely got to be excited if you're a Bulls fan. And Billy Donovan, man, he's he's made gold everywhere he's gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he just hasn't won a chip in the pros, but never say He'll never. He'll get there. Absolutely. But now let us talk some hockey because oh. we are in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals. 
I was right about one of the teams that got there, and that was the Tampa Bay Lightning, a.k.a. New York Rangers South. Yeah. So the other one, though, was the Dallas Stars, which I did not have getting there. Colorado yeah. definitely had some injuries that cost them. In this, caught up to them, yeah. Caught up to them yeah. too late. And yeah. the game is – or the series is now split with Game 3 heading into Wednesday night. This is going to be a fun matchup. Uh, D- Tampa Bay should run crazy on this team. I'm sorry. Uh, Tampa or Dallas has been stepping up and definitely been a contender. But let's face it, Tampa Bay has got way too much weapons on their side. And I fully expect them to bring home the chip. I'm going to say officially lightning in six. Okay. Because when you got the best goalie in the playoffs, it's definitely going to help you. And like I said, game one, I know they got ran out of the rink losing 4 1. And they did hold off Dallas from coming back. And But Tampa got the win 3 2 in game two. So game three, like I said, I fully expect the lightning to really step up and bring home the cup. And like I say, it's just a feather in the cap that we give them all those New York Rangers. So hey, you're welcome. But let us talk, though, about some pro wrestling. Sure. Because I know we've been getting up on social media like, you guys haven't really talked about wrestling lately. Well, there hasn't been a lot really going on per And it's se. been bad. And it's been bad. Monday Night Raw was atrocious this past mm-hmm. week. But for all those bad moments, we're going to get a pay-per-view coming this Sunday. Yep. So we are now into WWE Clash of Champions. Mm-hmm. So from a bad Monday Night Raw to whatever we're going to get on SmackDown, we're going to get a pay-per-view. It's going to be held... In their uh, Thunderdome. Thunderdome, the Amway Center, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 27th. So we're going to break down the card, kind of give you a quick recap of everything that's been going on. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, you have Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro defending against the Lucha House Party. Coach, your thoughts on Knocking Shinsuke. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lucha House Party has been borderline jobbers the last five, ten years, however long they've been together. Uh, I don't see them winning this in any way, shape, or form. I fully see this being Cesaro and Nakamura. I thought what they did is they completely wasted an opportunity to have a champions versus champions match. That would have been good. Here. They did it on Raw. That yeah, been, no, yeah, I thought yeah. that's what they were. I mean, Cesaro and Shinsuke showed up on Raw. What the hell? Yeah, they were going to do. They even said champions versus champions. They're like, okay, you're going to unify the belts, which they should. Because let's face it, the WWE tag team divisions, plural, mm-hmm. are atrocious it, right it now. It fluctuates between good and terrible. It, it, it's just it hasn't maintained any kind of consistency. No. I will say that AEW has definitely made a better tag team division with everybody they have, albeit though it's a little overstocked in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But for what they're doing between Raw and SmackDown, it's literally throw two people together and see if they stick. Pretty much. Cesaro and Nakamura have been a good tag team, and obviously dealing with a lack of division, they're making the best of a bad situation. The Lucha House Party has been teasing a problem with Callisto, and I think this is what's going to happen is he's going to cost them the belts. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely going to be end still, and we go from there. Yeah. Uh, after that, for the Raw Women's Championship, you have Asuka taking on Zelina Vega. Thoughts on this, Coach? Asuka. Yeah, no, same thing. I mean, no disrespect to Zelina Vega, but... You know, I I don't truly believe the phrase "nobody is ready for Oscar" more than when I hear Zelina Vega going up against her. I will say that too, Zelina Vega. I will have to give her credit though; she has made the best of being in this COVID era of wrestling. She's great on the mic. She's amazing on the mic. She's one of the best managers they've had. Oh, the yeah. only thing that we haven't been able to see is her in the ring in the yeah. WWE. She's a very good wrestler. She is absolutely a great wrestler. So to see her finally get a chance to shine and break away from Garza and Andrade to get a program going, I think this match is going to go like this. Asuka is going to make her look extremely well, and I think that she's going to be taken as a viable threat for the belt, but then Asuka is going to win late. Right. And especially coming off the heels of the train wreck ending with Mickey James, and you can go Google that all you want because that was just a bad ending. 
I think that this is definitely going to showcase that there's another contender on Raw. Where it goes from here is anybody's guess, but Oscar retains, move forward. Yeah, after that, for the Raw Tag Team Championships, you have the Street Profits defending against Andrade and Angel Garza. Coach, your thoughts? Street Profits. It's like Street Profits. They've beaten Andrade and Angel Garza like 150,000 times, so why would this be any different? I have to agree. Why this match was even made just goes to show yet again there is a severe lack of tag teams in WWE. Yeah, I mean, the, this matchup was made with uh, six days before the the pay-per-view. Like, there's no build for this match. There's no build. They did the number one contender match between Seth Rollins and Murphy and Dominic Mysterio and Umberto Carrillo. I thought Carrillo and Mysterio should have won. At least it would have been somebody new for the belts. But the Profits have beaten uh, Rollins and Murphy. They've beaten Angel Garza and Andrade the entire year, so I'm not doubting that happens again here. And I'm just kind of hoping this is a short match. Nothing against the guys involved. It's just like we've, we've seen it. We've seen it. There's no new anything to bring to the match. So enough right. said there. Uh, after that, for the Women's Tag Team Championship, you have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending against the Riot Squad. I pass. I don't. <laughs> Riot <laughs> yeah, Squad. We, we just, I mean, just because. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to be Riot Squad. They're the only legitimate uh, women's tag team division champions tag team they have in that entire brand. So Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, again, another thrown-together tag team that I think it's just you know a means to an end in that end being a matchup between the two of them. It's Team Hell No 2.0. Pretty much. That's all it is with Nia and Baszler. And it, it boggles my mind that they have not figured out something to do with Shayna Baszler other than get her into a title program with Asuka or send her over to SmackDown and have her go crazy over there. And yeah. she could be a viable threat for Bailey and Sasha because they did tease that this summer. Right. So that all being said... It would be smart money to give it to the Riot Squad because, hey, they're a legit tag team. Yeah, they're one of the few. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to say WWE is going to WWE it, and they're going to give it to Nia and Baszler, and I'm going to be mad. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after that, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, you have Bailey defending her belt against Nikki Cross. Coach? <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> I think it's I think it's going to be DQ and Bailey retains uh, with Sasha Banks coming in and some form of shenanigans. Yeah, I have to that agree. or Alexa is going to distract Nikki. One of the two. Well, Alexa is now possessed by Bray Wyatt, which is yep. just weird. It's SmackDown. Yep. Enough said there. So that all being said, I think Bailey does retain because they're going to build up for the match against Sasha. Even though I would mark out like a madman if Nikki Cross won. So that being said, we did forget one match, though, on the undercard, though. Yeah. And that's Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Crews for that's the U.S. title. True. Yeah. And I just want to bring this up quick because the Hurt Business mm-hmm. has vastly improved over the past month from their initial debut. Maybe it's because they're thrown into the feud with Retribution, which has been an absolute dumpster fire. To say the storyline. And they did the big reveal where everybody looked like they were Mad Max rejects and Donovan Dijakovic was mm-hmm. looking like Bane. Oh, he was born in the darkness. Molded by it. Yeah, it was a complete mess Monday night. And I was even live tweeting about it and I was saying the only way this gets saved, Retribution, is if they had the guy that does air guitar in NXT, Rich Bugras, <laughs> and he comes out like the guy from the flaming guitar from the Mad Max movie. That'd be amazing. That's the only way this angle saves because it's absolutely- I don't even think that. As, as amazing as that would be, even I don't think that'll save it. No, well, it, it would be close. And, I just and, wanna- and now that you mentioned that, I'm fully banking on uh, this will be this will be a DQ uh, win for Lashley because uh, since uh, Retribution can do anything at anywhere at any time. Uh, they're going to come in and inter- 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 interfere with this matchup. Yeah, Coach, any thoughts or you just want to pass? 
Yeah, okay, we kind of figured that much. I yeah. just want to touch upon it because we were talking. So yeah. bad. But, yeah. let, but let's get to what I'm going to say is going to be the match of the night. Oh, hands goddamn down. Uh, for the Intercontinental Championship, you have Jeff Hardy taking on AJ Styles and Sami Zayn in a ladder match. That's fun. That's That's fun. That should be good. This is like the one matchup on the entire card that I'm looking forward to. I uh, I mean, I, I would love to see Zayn, you know, come out on top of this just because it would be unpredictable you know it'd be something that you don't see coming sure like because you see these two names paired with him and you're like there's no way zane's gonna win this so i think sure. that would be fun you know sure. if he pulled this out uh but you know it my want is zane my feelings got to be aj styles yeah i'm in the same boat i mean again i know the one thing we want with sammy zane when it comes to a ladder match is just what don't get hurt uh-huh yeah don't get hurt i would like i'm in this exact same boat as coach i would love to see sammy uh retain the belt or win the belt or whatever the hell it is at this point because lord knows who's the actual champion um and i'd like to see him get a legit run with it because hey we've not really seen that since his nxt days and even then he didn't get a long reign i'm gonna say sammy wins oh okay I, I and i will explain this very simply they have a raw SmackDown roster draft coming up. Mm-hmm. I am fully banking. AJ is going to Raw. They're not going to have him on the same show as Paul Heyman. It's entirely possible. And I know that they could definitely build on a feud with Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy. And plus, give me the crazy promos from Sami that he has always been the true Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. This will verify yeah. it. So I'm going to take Sami in the win. I sure. hope I'm right. Sure. Uh, and then for the Universal Championship, you have Roman Reigns taking on Jay Uso. Coach? It's. I mean... Come on. Let I mean, me, this me, is this me. is fodder. You know, I mean, this is just... Yeah, that's half what, his card. Yeah, what about... I mean, just a, a, a throwaway pay-per-view for no reason other than just to have one. This is all this is. I love the idea behind it, but I, I mean, I saw like a story. I'd rather just have the Usos paired with Roman and Paul mm-hmm. than against them. Mm-hmm. So, Let me ask you this, because this is what I want to get your take on. Sure. What is your thoughts on the Roman heel turn? I, I mean... Perfect given the time and circumstances. I would have loved fans in the building to have it because their reaction would have been just piping. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean the, the depth of, of de- you know, loud uh, and uh, the uh, decibel levels that would have been reached in booze. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, I was in the crowd when we booed him for 10 straight minutes. That was amazing. That would have been times infinity. Yeah. Like, I mean... And it would have been perfect and it would have been much needed. Uh, I'm glad that they took this route. I just... You know, I just, I don't, I don't, I, I, fuck, I just, the feud given right now makes sense because, you know, you don't want to feed him any of the top contenders just yet on a pay-per-view that right. clearly doesn't matter. Right. But at the same time, I would have loved to have seen, you know, maybe somebody built up to be put in this position to face, um, you know, maybe have him beat a Braun or have him beat an AJ Styles, you know, just something, sure, so, sure, something, sure. but you know, this is what we're getting. I mean, it should be a good match. I mean, Roman, Jey Uso, Cousins, they know each other. They know the work. So it should be a good match, but this is absolutely Roman's to win. I mean, they're, I, I no, again, no disrespect to Jey Uso, but he's not going to win this. It's, it's just fodder. They're just feeding him, and it's just a means to an end. Keep a good thought for Jey Uso because he's going to take an ass whooping like he hasn't taken before on this. Yeah, ring. yeah, and we should know uh, Roman did say in a Zoom interview it was either yesterday or today that he is getting a new ring attire and uh, entrance music. But first, he's got to quote go take care of some business. Yeah. I I mean I don't know if it's necessarily going to be you know I just it will be interesting to see Roman's full 
evolution as a heel. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, it can go one of two ways when you pair with Paul. You can be a dominant force or it could be, you know, the opposite, which would be a chicken shit heel. Yep. Which I don't necessarily think that they would do that no. to Roman as no. a character because of the longevity and investment that they put him in as the dominant force. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think you pair him with Paul to have him be a dominant force. You right. know, I mean, I just, I I don't know. I think Jay is going to get some offense in. I think it's going to be one of those type of stories where it's like, you know, oh, you know, Jay catches him offhand and, you know, gets him for a two count. He rolls out. Paul, you know, gives him the pep talk. Then he comes in and, you know, finishes the match off strong. Yeah. Yeah, no, it should be good. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I think Roman all day on this one. Yeah. And then for the main event, yeah, for WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. What a clusterfuck of a story yeah. line this has been. I mean, yeah. Keith Lee's character is literally a roller coaster ride. Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. It's just up and down, up and down, up and down. Is he involved in this? Is he not? Is he going to get involved? Is he not? You know, is there a story there? Is there a story not there? You know, is he friends with Drew? Is he not friends with Drew? Is he after Randy? Is he not? I mean, I can't keep all the the things, all the webs and weaves and everything straight. So I have no idea. The rumors are Randy is going to, you know, the reason why they switched this to a, you know, a ambulance match is so they can get the belt off of Drew without having him take, a, you know, a pinfall loss. So I guess I'll stick with what, you know, I'm reading on the interweb and go with Randy. You know, I'm going to go with Randy, too. Like I've said before, no disrespect to Drew McIntyre, but this you know title reign hasn't been anything to write home about. It's not been bad. It's not been great. But that's, again, through no fault of his own. You know, circumstances are what they are. Is it the ideal situation he would have dreamed? No. Is it the ideal situation that they had planned for him? No. But circumstances are what they are, and, and it's not been all that good. He's been dominant, yes. He's been, you know, very... You know, good on the mic, but I think it's just time for a, a changing of the guard, so to speak. Keith Lee, because reasons. <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and say it. We'll have to find out Sunday night. We'll definitely be doing the live reaction on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. So definitely make sure you're following, make sure you're subbed, and don't miss a minute of the content because we'll have a lot to say on that. And especially Thursday night because we're doing hashtag 607podcast presents the wrestling show on Twitch. So a lot more to come with that, and we'll have to see what we get on Sunday. So that being said, it is time for Locks and Leaps, mm-hmm. week three of the NFL season. And I guess I should read off the standings for our uh, content creator group. And at the top spot is yours truly. Oh. Surprise. How, con- how convenient the yes. creator of the league is in first place. Yes. Hmm. But I'm... But I have some competition right behind me. Tyler from Second Suitor, Colby Mack, Three Fat Nerds, and Coach Duffy are in second place, all tied with 19. So, Wizard... Mrs. Coach Duffy. It was a long week in the Duffy household yes. after Sunday, or a long night after Sunday's games. Yes, are all tied. She takes this shit so seriously, guys. It was ridiculous. I mean, checking scores. Oh, my God, they're down a point. Like, it's only the first quarter. Give it time. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. It is nuts. But she knows the stress now of the Atlanta Falcons, so welcome to that. You know, she had to deal with that for the first time. I told her, get in line. Yeah. <laughs> You have no idea. It's going to be something to see. Uh, we got a shout out to uh, Evan the Great, Tyler from Thirty and Nerdy, our tie at sixteen. Wonder Soul, our guy Dre Driven, and JVD from Villains the Man. Padawan J are at fourteen. Vinny, 
goes to the stratosphere, and Tom from Alex Cup Gaming finish out the field. So that being said, Pad, why don't you kick us off with your picks? Yeah, so uh, for my lock, I'm going to be, again, uh, looking. I feel like I'm picking on the Jets at this point. Uh, <laughs> I'm picking the Indianapolis Colts to defeat the New York Jets because, hey, they're that bad. Currently, uh, as we record, the Indianapolis Colts are favored by 10.5 points, so give me that all day. That's a that's a big spread, That's Pat. a lot. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a, big, that's a big spread. I don't I don't know if they'll necessarily cover that spread, but, I'm hey, I'm picking them to win. Uh, and then on the flip side for my leap, I had one, but, you know, I just, Lord, I can't do that one. So I'm going to be looking at the uh, Cincinnati Bengals-Philadelphia Eagles game. Currently, Philly is a six-point favorite. Philly's bad. Philly's Philly's real bad. I, I like, and I think Bengal, the Bengals are going to be able to pull it out. Okay, coach. So I, it's a rare, it's a, it's a, heavy favorite week you know like it's a very very heavy favorite week but i did find one that in particular i did like which is going to be the seahawks at home against the cowboys i was eyeballing the saints packers game you know aaron Rodgers on the revenge tour but 100 dog runs fast saints make me nervous i'm going to avoid that at all costs so i'm going to go seahawks against the cowboys and my uh Dog pick is going to be the Washington football team. Oh, getting seven against a bad Browns team. I think uh, the uh, Washington defense is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Albeit they had a not a great performance against the Cardinals. I do think that they will cover that game. Cleveland will obviously win, but I like Washington to cover. Strong picks, gentlemen. Strong picks. So for my lock, I am going with the Cam DeLorean. Okay. Or a.k.a. Cam. 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 New England is six and a half favorites at Foxborough versus those Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. And I know I'm going to get an angry text from Rich from Three Fat Nerds. A good-looking Raiders team. It's a good team. It's going to be a tough challenge, but it's the whole West Coast team traveling. They're coming on a short week. Short week, Monday night, yep. West, West Coast to East Coast, 1 o'clock game. Yep, so I'm doing mm-hmm. the math. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cross the I's, dot the T's. So that all being said, I'm taking New England six and a half favorites. Okay. And for my leap. I don't feel good about any of my leaps, by the Uh-oh. way. Like, but I'm going to just decide to roll some dice. Monday night is going to be a video game. Oh, Christ. Oh, Kansas City at Baltimore. See, I didn't even want to go near this Yeah, game. I didn't want to touch this game. I, I, oh, oh, I looked at oh. it. I I definitely I, I looked at it, and it's yeah. definitely a sexy pick because three-point dogs going into Baltimore, you're defending AFC champions, just they looked so bad. <laughs> They look, you know, the, I mean, the, the thing that of, game against the Chargers, I would not feel comfortable going into Baltimore the next week. But see, True. here's my t- my things about survivor pools and pick and pools. Okay. I avoid the Chargers like the plague. This That's is true. Fair. So this is true. Anytime they're involved, because every time I pick them to go to the Super Bowl or go deep here on the show, I've gotten burnt. You know, and then, you have, yeah. and then you have the whole, you know, oh, well, they played Herbert. They were prepared for yeah. Tyrod Taylor. You know, you have that whole storyline, you right. know, whatever. But. I mean, still though. Like, yeah. I mean, to have them have the defending Super Bowl champions get caught off just because of a quarterback switch. But that's why I think they know fully in detail. I think they were actually looking ahead to this game. Mm. That was my takeaway. So that all being said, in Mahomes, we trust. 
It's not big trust, which I know I'm going to get some very, very angry emails on uh, social media about this. I am going to go with the Chiefs plus three against Baltimore. I think it's going to be a, a, a fun game. This is going to be high scoring. Uh, you can throw defense out the window, but if it's going to get into a shootout, uh, I'm going to take my homes every day. And that's where I'm going to stick to it. This could be like a 48-45 game. Yeah, that's, I think yeah. the limitation, I guess, with Baltimore would be their ability to stop Kansas City because I think if you go defense for defense – I think Kansas City has the defense to be able to stop Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if Baltimore has the defense to stop Kansas City. It, yeah, like I say, years past, I probably would have flipped the pick. But this one, I'm like, it's going to be a shootout. I just I yep. don't see this defense being a, optional. Yeah, this is going to be everybody's running all over the field. And like I say, if it comes down to it, if we take Lamar Jackson's running out of the equation. Which, it, I, yeah, you got to think Kansas City is going to be able to neutralize Kansas, somehow. Yeah, you got to think Kansas City is going to do this. And Spagnola can do it, so that's why I God say. Goddamn right he can. That's why I say. We'll see if I'm right on uh, Monday night, though. We'll have to definitely check that out. So I'll just do a very quick outro because the music you heard is out of Fair City Fire. Brian Wolf has got a lot of stuff going on, so definitely head on over to OchoDuroPolyR.com. Check the music section out. You can find out everything going on with them. Shout out the Robots, Floodlands, and all the great bands you hear on the ODPH. We covered the directory earlier. We talked about Parlay Points a little bit. We talked about Twitch.tv slash 67podcast. So if you want to find out everything that's going on with the ODPH, Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Enough said. So that's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and good luck. For the one only Padawan J. Go Yankees. I'm your host, Ken M. I second that. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.